after eight weeks and more than 5,000 kilometers on the road, and 23 full house tour stop meetings behind them, the Counterspin Media, let's not forget bus tour has arrived in Greytown, on the west coast. Where are we, Calvin? We're the RSA in um, Greymouth. What's happening tonight at the RSA in Greymouth? We're having the third to last uh, event, official event of the Counterspin Media Let's not forget Tour Dana and uh, thanks to the rest of the team and thank you all Graymel for coming out on this yeah, really cold and wet night yeah. It's actually quite good we've held it next to the RSA because uh, Anzac Day last year was the first airing of uh, an episode of Counterspin um, and Anzac Day this year was the day we hit the road um, and been on the road since Anzac Day. Uh, this is a third to last event but by no means the least look at you, turned up, you definitely know how to turn it up and turn it on um, and I met some bloody good buggers on the coast, I must admit, wide awake. In fact, when the shit hits the fan, you guys will be one of the ones who are the true survivors. You know how to do the community thing, you know how to stick together, and you know how to um, pull together when the going gets tough, and I'm pretty damn impressed. I want to thank old Dan and Kath for uh, the old... Taking us duck shooting. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, what did we bag, five that day? And... Uh, Anna Mallard. Oh, we, Trevor. We, we nicknamed Trevor. <laughs> he went from Trevor's the, on the way out. Yeah, he went from the sky into the frying pan. So he was, yeah. unlike the other one, he still tastes pretty good. Um, yep. And, of course, Tony. We've just been staying at his place last night and uh, we'll stay there tonight. He's a pretty good bugger too. A lot of knowledge. Got a lot of knowledge on the coast. That's why platforms like this, which is your, your platform, your voice, this is why we come around to get you on the mm -hmm. mic live streaming out to the world so people know exactly what's happening instead of mainstream media lands which is obfuscating all your voices and suppressing them. Um, and this also lets everyone else know they're not alone because that's what they've tried to do. Don't talk to your neighbours, separate, let's mask up and look like Muppets and all that. So um, that's not happening on our watch. Great to see not a mask in sight. It's awesome. Um, and we want to thank all of the others uh, who have been hosting our team as well and uh, everybody on this tour actually who's made it possible because um, it's been really grassroots and it's you guys who are, you know, putting petrol in the vehicles and actually helping us get from place to place. You're putting us up, you're feeding us. and um, <laughs> And it's just it's just amazing what people can do. And that was part of uh, what we learned in Wellington. How many of you made it up to Wellington? few of you, awesome. And what about Picton, awesome. Brilliant. And um, there was, of course, Stan in Christchurch and Dunedin as well. Um, but, of course, that just brought the whole country together like never seen before. Probably um, some people were saying it was reminded them of what it was like um, when the, uh, the soldiers came back from war, just seeing everybody lining the streets as the convoy was coming down initially. Um, and I don't know if you all know, but... We've been getting cancelled, or they've been trying to cancel events. Um, 
And Dunedin and Invercargill, there were a few venues that got scared off and we were a bit worried about this one. So that's why we let, we didn't announce the venue um, straight away and then somehow it got out to our opposition. And um, But thankfully to the RSA and, and everybody involved here, they didn't fold. Um, and thanks to Dave for sorting that all out. That was awesome. Yep, brilliant. Actually, just back on Wellington, that just shows you what can happen. Like in 10 days, we created a town, a fully functioning town in 10 days. And the only thing missing from that whole scenario that made it all work, there wasn't a damn politician in sight. Not one. In fact, none of them would come and talk to us, let's face it. Yes, yeah, so um, the interesting thing is there's a protest apparently happening up north in Mongify because of a... Um, what are they trying to do? They're trying to do some sort of drilling or something there. And, of course, the politicians are getting involved in that. I think the local councillor got involved in that. And there was only they were only expecting maybe a 1,000 people. And I just think all the tens of thousands of people that ended up in Wellington and to be silenced like that and just ignored like that mm. is a real problem. And I don't know if any of you heard the um, interview on the platform this week with Michael Laws. That I did. It was a bit of an ambush. It was a bit of a setup. I was supposed to be talking about um, toxic feminism, but then um, he didn't ever get to that topic, and you know wanted to ask me all the hard questions, and then said, "Well, you're not an expert, so basically, why should I listen to you anyway?" Um, and most people thought he was very rude. Um, in my opinion, it's like if I, if you line up all the kind of mainstream media journalists and you try and run the gauntlet, he's the one of the ones you really don't want to get because he's just renowned for having such a um, aggressive and rude stance, I suppose. He's but, a prick. <laughs> but but I, I I want to say to him and the platform and um, to the producer as well, at least thank you for getting us on because at least we're starting to maybe hopefully have these discussions on more public platforms and it's always a debate, do we bother going on their platforms because we know they're always going to slander us and call us whatever. But at the end of the day, more and more people are going to actually go, well, what's this about? And hopefully they will start seeking out alternative sources yep. um, to find the truth and that's what it's all about. So we've got a great lineup of guests um, and that's what we're doing, like Calvin said, we're getting your, your voices out there and trying to encourage you all to, um, as we say, speak the truth, get courage, get courageous, be brave. And um, because the more of us that stand up and be brave, the more freedom we will all have collectively. So don't ever be scared. Um, if you speak here, you probably won't get the kind of um, attacks we get. So we're trying to, you know, we'll be, we'll be the kind of, shield at the front or whatever will take the big hits. And I'll be right behind you. <laughs> and um, everyone else hopefully can even just start speaking on your social media accounts um, and just get your stories out because that's what they want to silence. And um, they can't because it's an avalanche that's coming, especially now with this sudden adult death syndrome that you've probably all heard about by now um, that's been used up to... And they want to change the definition of... Or the name of monkeypox, <laughs> because it, it's offensive to somebody. Lucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the other, well, we'll come back on at the end. There's a few other things that I'd certainly like to say, and I'm sure Calvin's got a few things he'd like to say. Always. Um, but did you want to do the poll first? Yes. Yeah. The poll. The poll. This is better than Colmar Brunton, because it's real people. <laughs> 
So um, we've been doing this up and down the country. We asked you a few questions, and um, you can either put one or two hands up. But um, we'll start with the question that uh, how many of you know somebody, just put one hand up, but know, if you know one person at least that's um, been affected by this so-called vaccine and adverse reaction? Yep, hold that. <clears throat> We'd like to send this out. <clears throat> We'd like to remind Jacinda that this is real. These are real people. And put another hand up if you know more than one person. Wow. wow. That's a lot of people having adverse reactions. But apparently this isn't really happening. Apparently yeah. those people are all just experiencing anxiety. And you're conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Bigots, misogynists, <laughs> white supremacists. The second question we like to ask is um, how many of you know somebody who's passed away within a sh short space of time from having the vaccine? That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. Mm. A lot in the paper, a lot in, overseas. If you go and um, if you're on uh, Linda Warden's page, Health Forum NZ, she's um, generously let us take these stories around. But she's every day she's posting stories of these sudden deaths. Um, a lot of young people, sports people that are very healthy. Um, another one is how many of you know somebody, or you were yourself, you're mandated out of a job or out of an education position because you refused to kneel. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot as well. And how many of you have experienced um, a separation from your family? How many of you have family who won't speak to you anymore, or friends who won't speak to you anymore? Yeah, that's the hard part. And, that, and we will have someone speaking about that tonight too, because that's been one of the hardest things for a lot of people, just the isolation and being treated like a leper. And the final question, I think, that we like to ask is how many of you actually, actually there's a couple more, how many of you know somebody who has been diagnosed or, or the, on their death certificate they died with, or that they died from COVID? They died of COVID. No. <laughs> okay, not a single hand has gone up, just so you all know. Um, how many of you actually had... COVID yourselves, <laughs> and you all survived. <laughs> yeah. Common cold's back. Yes. <laughs> well, that's it right. It took a two-year. What they OE. call? It took a two-year OE, common cold and influenza, and then it came back, waited at the border, of course, passed MIQ, then started infecting everyone. That's a. Uh, it's a bit rough. And of course, the um, those boosted now apparently. Uh, flooding our hospitals, it's not the unvaccinated. This whole thing that the unvaccinated will be filling our hospitals is actually just not true and the data's proving that. Yep, two more questions. How many took one for the team <clears throat> just to keep your job, put food on the table and look after your family who were coerced, who wouldn't have taken it otherwise unless you were threatened with losing your job? Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's not um, a choice. Yeah. Yep. How many know someone who did? Yep. There you go. All of you. Yeah. Let's send that out. And the last one, which is because I've had a few happen, a few mates. Uh, how many do you know that through all this bullshit has checked out early, committed suicide, to. attempted suicide, or yeah. I had one that um, I had a mate who killed himself, and another one who uh. Tried to hang himself, but of course the rafter broke, so that was that was good. You mean the accidental deaths? Yes, the ex yeah, they're they're now it's accidental deaths now. <clears throat> but was, I was looking at the statistics lately. There's been an 86% increase in the call-outs to suicide attempts 
in this country. Your mental health is, is yeah, that's major. Do you want to come to the mic? That'll be a great question. Miscarriages. Okay, okay yeah. yeah. Who knows somebody who's had a miscarriage? After? After having the, yeah, bioweapon, as I like to call it. Jeez, there's a few. Yeah, so apparently that's massively on the rise. Um, Dr. Naomi Klein is calling it the great baby die-off. So um, very, very sad about what's happening. So is women dying, are they been in the room for six months? Or? Uh, yeah. There's, and there's also calcified, I do know, I have talked to a midwife and they're seeing a lot of calcified placentas um, and they are... It's yeah, they're not getting, they're not growing necessarily as they should be. So in a few I think weeks, we'll also have uh, embalmers and uh, funeral directors on the show who will give all the details of exactly what they're finding, and um, we'll bring the evidence. And to think, after Michael Laws was so rude to me, he actually wanted me to to give up my sources. It's like, come on, do your own research. Go and find your own sources. I said, you can watch the interview after we release it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's all yeah, we're So I think we should get on with uh, bringing up the first speaker because I want to hear them as well. Yeah, so our first speaker uh, for the evening, I'm sure, is um, actually probably world famous here on the West Coast. Um, he's been a long-time 1080 activist, and he's going to discuss um, the history of his anti-1080 um, journey and the movement here and the damage that uh, this poison is causing in New Zealand. So please put Brilliant. your hands together for Phil Patterson. And we'll see you soon. Yeah, how are you? I don't know about world famous, but uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, while the, uh, while the Freedom Village thing was going on... Um, they're actually um, doing big poison operations up the uh, Wanganui Valley and uh, the Wahlberg um, the Range, etc. Um, so the, the, we think the T-Nate is just like the uh, vaccine. It's a, it's a huge, um, huge way of um, yeah, it's, it's polluting our food. It's stopping us from um, gathering food. It's stopping us from... Um, it's just um, criminal what's going on. They're dropping it into our waterways, which is totally illegal. We have the... Um, we have the, uh, we've got, I need, I need a bloody table, we put all the stuff on, but never mind. <laughs> but uh, the label, the, um, yeah, anyone put him this one of us? Yeah, thanks. I'll be your table. Okay, then. Just put them up to the side. It's where do you start, it's the thing. This is the um, 24. This is the um, this is the uh, 25 kilo bag label that um, I got under the official information act from the Department of Conservation, and on it it says um, do not drop it into waterways, etc. You know, blah blah blah. But right throughout the coast, from the top to the bottom, since uh, for decades now they've dropping, been dropping this poison. Now we went up. Um, I'll read out what what we done. What happened was, in 2018, they uh, poisoned Harry Harry again for about the third or fourth time. They dropped it all around Harry Harry, and they dropped it directly into the uh, water catchment of uh, the Harry Harry water supply, which is Harold Creek. Uh, Harold 
Myself, Dan Lane over there, and uh, Richard Cox, who was a private investigator, we had it together this time. We went up there and we um, checked the waterway. And when we got there, we found, to, when they stopped where the, where the map said they'd, they'd dropped to, we, we got 92 pallets in a 100 metre stretch of um, the river, Harold Creek. And here's the GPS readings that we took. And we photographed every pallet, blah, 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 and, um, and, and got all the results for that. Now that feeds Harry Harry. Now there's been a lot of sick people in Harry Harry over the years. In fact, the, um, the storekeeper at the, um, at the shop back in 2008, I was running around trying to tell everybody, look, they're going to drop this stuff into, your, into our water catchments and um, we need to stop it. And I, I went around telling everybody, but everyone was concerned, but nobody seemed to believe that it was going to happen, but it did. And, I, and the shopkeeper says to me, um, oh, well, um, what are you going to do when all this TNA stuff's over? And I said, well, I'll go back hunting and fishing and enjoying myself again. You know, I just can't stand this stuff. So anyway, me and myself and Lindsay Malloy, actually, first of all, I went up with Fritz, who's here in the audience. Fritz went up with me, and we, um, he'll confirm that. We found all these baits, didn't we, Fritz, in the Harold Creek. This is in 2008. So when we went back in 2018, um, we had to go through the back route because we'd been trespassed off the farmer's land to get through to, to Harold Creek. As, and it was a hot day. Or When we got to the creek, Richard Cox, he, he, he dived into the river to have a drink. And we said to him, no, don't do that, mate, don't do that, because you don't know what's upstream. We, we got an idea, and, and he did anyway. Then he had another drink a bit further up. Then we got round the corner. Suddenly, there was 1080 baits everywhere, all through the creek, everywhere. So, um, yeah, so uh, he um, was very angry, and he, he GPSed all the baits, and we photographed all the baits. And then we hit up the... Um, the medical officer's health about the whole situation, which is Cheryl Brunton. Now, she's allowing this to happen. She's allowing these baits to be dropped into the creeks. So, uh, yeah, what we done was he got in touch with her and asked her um, about it. And she sent the contractors, Sean Sawyer, of Victor Free Marlborough up to check that there was no baits in the, in the creek. Well, he didn't find anything, as you would expect. Now, why is she signing off these drops to allow poison to be dropped into the waterways? Now, this, this connects with the vaccines because the medical of health, when I went to see her last time, she was too busy with this vaccine rollout to answer any questions. And, um, yes, that, that's what that side of it. Now, the other side of it is um, the effect on the environment, which is the... Um, just recently in November that last year they went and dropped poison all around um, Okarito, etc. It said all over the Kiwi Sanctuary, everywhere. I went down there for the pre-feed and it was all along the beach and everywhere like that. It turns out they killed 550 blackback gulls in that drop. And they, um, I've got the official information request here buried in all this paperwork. And I asked them about the 450... Um, blackback gulls that got killed, and they come back and said there was actually 550. But there's been a lot more than that that killed. And the other thing is the, um, the kia. They've um, killed numerous kia uh, under these drops. And we've got the toxicology reports of uh, Franz Joseph's drop, where they killed seven kia. And they're doing nothing about the, the, this um, damage to the environment. Um, but it's all political as well, because the it's funny, this is in the RSA, because uh, Damien O'Connor's got his office hooked onto the back of the RSA. Now, he's the Minister of Agriculture and the Minister of Biosecurity, and is the shareholding owner of the 
company Aurelian that manufactures the TNA poison. So there you have the, the government owning the factory that makes the pecuniary poison, the government dropping the poison, and then we have the other issue, it goes on and on, West Coast Regional Council invested over $2 million of ratepayers' money in a TNA poison factory in Williston without the ratepayers' knowledge. They have Victor Control Services, a council-owned business, dropping the poison throughout the South Island. The West Coast Regional Council staff, cost by my, uh, with the chief, well, the chief executive officer, Mike Meehan, at the time received $258,000 per annum as a salary. There is no transparency. The West Coast Regional Council um, issues the consents for the TNA drops, they set the conditions, they enforce the conditions, there are never any breaches. And um, as soon as the weather clears, West, the Victor Control Services is going to drop um, the Arrawatta Valley again. For the, um, the last time they've done it was in 2010, and now they're going to do it again. And also they're going to drop the Victor Free Marlborough, which is probably the, um, the uh, Marlborough District Council's uh, business unit. They're going to do um, the Aotearoa Valley. And I've got Roy Arborn over here. He's a beekeeper who's very concerned about bees and all of this. Um, today, Joe Pollard um, sent me a, 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 all her correspondence. She's, she's got a doctorate and she's a, a research scientist. And she's researched the, um, the IRMA review, which was held in 2008, which um, authorised for the continuation of this poison to be dropped in New Zealand. And that, that, that IRMA review is solely corrupt. It's so, uh, she's um, done a very, very good critique of it all here. And it's in my paperwork here. I'll just read out a little bit of it. Um, I'll, I'll read out the start of it. Under New Zealand Hazardous Substances and New Organisms Act, HISNA Act 1996, the major aerial spreaders of sodium monofluoroacetate, 1080, the Animal Health Board, and the Department of Conservation were, were required to apply to the Environmental Risk Management Authority, IRMA, for permission to continue. In 2007, IRMA released its decision to allow continued increased poisoning. It appears the way the information on TNA poison was gathered and handled by IRMA did not always comply with the HESNO Act. Examples are presented below within nine categories, and she's got 25 pages of it. There's lack of verification, reliable information, lack of information, failure of applicant to supply additional information, lack of objectivity, failure to use expert consultants' advice, failure to use expert review, failure of applicants to consult Maori, uncontrollable spread, Failure to respond to qualified scientific criticism. So, yeah, it's very corrupt, the whole thing. And we put in submissions to that IRMA review, and none of the submitters really were taken any account of. Yeah, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, we could go on and on about it. Um, the uh, other one here I've got to point out is uh, Mar Margie Jarman. She's a scientist as well. She uh, reckons it's... Um, actually poisoning um, the ozone layer. But to her, her, her conclusions of this report here on it all is um, the often quoted examples of the success of microbial defluorination studied in controlled laboratory conditions cannot be extrapolated into the real New Zealand outdoors environment without further urgent, carefully directed and costly research and testing. This needs to be acknowledged by the New Zealand public. The use of TNA should be stopped until this is done. And she wrote that in 2019, oh, way back, yeah. Anyway, yeah. 
So I won't carry on and on about that because everybody here has been affected by TN80. I bet you everyone here has got horror stories about TN80, their dogs dying, and that, and there's huge cancer cancer on the west coast. There's high suicide rates. There's all sorts of things associated with this, including our birth defects and miscarriages. Can you tell them about the court cases? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can um, do it. I've written it all down. It's just a brief thing. I've just got to find it here. Yeah. And Paul, you were going to um, get the lab to test the pellets. We think that they're putting something else in there, and they've definitely put more TNA in the future pellet, and it's exporting to a tonnage, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we took that TNA. We, we sent that TNA down to Timaru to get tested by a scientist down there, um, Nick Wall. Have you heard that? We have, because yeah. um, Chris Winley went down there, and he um, can you still hear me? Yeah, Chris Winley went down there, and he um, saw the guy. He reckons he's tested it, but he's got he's given us no results. He's given us nothing, so we, we're waiting, just waiting. Yeah, yeah. Because we, when they while, while this um, Freedom March thing was going on up in Wellington, they dropped all the poison, and we were well, probably just after that. And myself and um, Mike MacGyver, an ex-Vietnam vet, we went up the valley to to pick up, and we picked up all the poisons we could find, which was bags of it. We found two dead deer, one dead possum, and baits everywhere. It was just disgusting, well, and it's all over the riverbeds. Not only that, myself, Dan Lane and um, Alan Gurdon flew up into the Perth Valley after the big drop up there, and um, it's right up in the high country, and we walked right up into the tops, up into the best, and we stayed, we stayed there for two nights. There was 1080 around the huts, there was 1080 around the, on the riverbeds. We climbed right up into the tops, there was 1080 up on the tops. It's just everywhere, and what it's doing to everything is disgusting. And after that drop, they let go seven stoats to see what would happen. Oh. No one... That's in the that's a fact. It's in the paper and everything. So the states have got nothing to eat up there except the fear. That's about all that's left. And now and we didn't see any fear up there, and we heard one tear. And yet, an old mountain um, mountain climbers report says they they they've done a report up there way back back in the 1930s or 40s or something, and there was 16,000 tear in that valley in the Waitaha um, Perth Valley, and they're doing it again. They've just done it again. So yeah. Two tears on that drop. What was that? Two died on that drop. Two tears died on that drop as well. So they're wiping out our species, our, um, our, our, our native species, and, and that. Yeah. So. Can, I, can I just ask you one thing, Phil? Um, to anybody out there that says 1080 is the way to go, and we've got a major possum problem in New Zealand, what do you say to those detractors? Because I, you know, anytime it's in the mainstream, it's like these. Dirty anti ten eighty protesters, like, don't they know it's a good thing? What do you say to those people? Yeah, exactly right. Well, it's like the uh, anti vaxxers It's like the anti vaxxers thing. They um, demonise you. They um, they, they, they just um, they write negatively about you. They don't listen to you. And um, here's here's an OIA thing I done on the um, on on the um, the blackback goals that got killed. Okay, I'll read it out. DOT gave permission to ZIP to undertake the operation on public conservation land due to the goal of predator elimination. Now, everything's a predator. They're trying to eliminate all the predators in New Zealand, yet we're all predators. Teenager was aerial applied to open areas along the river and beach to expose all predators within the site, within the site to toxin. Unfortunately, at least 550 Carraro blackback gulls were poisoned in the beach and riverbed areas of their operation. The death of any native birds during tornado operations is always unfortunate and upsetting. 
Tororo were previously not known to be present in such high numbers in the area, neither DOC nor ZIP were aware that a colony had established at this location. The risk assessment, which drew on known risks and operational outcomes for native species, documented in the 1080 Pesticide Information Review for Carraro for this operation, was assessed as low. DOC is review, reviewing its internal processes to identify any areas for improvement when assessing permission of this kind. The incident was recorded in DOC's 1080 Pesticide Information Review document so that those planning and assessing future operations and potential corroborated are aware of the risk to the bears and can mitigate that risk appropriately. But they don't mitigate risk and they're dropping poison as we speak. As soon as the weather clears, they're at it again. And uh, yeah, no, it's just, and, and we're about also, one last thing about animals is the frogs. Where's all the frogs gone? I, I seen a, um, I heard a, um, a documentary on uh, RNZ one time about the first uh, motor car to come into um, Harry Harry. And they, and they switched off the motor and all you could hear was frogs. And Harry Harry, you don't hear frogs at all. They're not, they're not there, eh? And it's not only the 1080 that's doing it, it's a 24D they're using to spray for broadleaf and it's all the um, glyphosate they're spraying everywhere. And it's just, it's just, it's, no one's read uh, Rachel Carson's book, 1962 Silent book, Spring. Silent Spring. That New Zealand just never paid any attention to that, to that. And yet President Kennedy brought that up at, at a speech, because uh, she wrote that book in 1962, and he brought it up in a speech, and it's a multi-billion dollar industry. He brought it up in the Senate, and he was dead not long after that, because he was concerned about it and was, would have done something about it about all the pesticide use. But anyway, uh, I might ask Roy Arborn if he wants to have a talk about it all. No one said anything about the field with the mouth of the pyramid cow. That's another point. There are heaps of bloody possum carcasses there after they've done a 1080 crop. Hmm. As soon as Doc heard about it, they went down and buried them. They didn't have enough guts to go and take an autopsy on them to find out what they died of. And you don't have to be much of a very bright to work it out. It's a, a, it's a massive cover-up. And all that poison's flying out to sea when it rains. And then they had a dead sperm whale turn up in the beach down Ocarito just not long after the drop. Then they've had dead hectic dolphins wondering what, what, they, what they died from. They had all those rats and mice turn up on the West, Westport beaches after the drop. And, uh, yeah, I know, and I know that everybody here has got a story to tell about 1080 on the West Coast. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Thank Richard. And uh, oh, sorry, um, Phil. Yeah. And uh, you're wearing a great T-shirt. I love it. <laughs> um, so everyone, give your give a big round of applause to Phil. So yes, our next speaker uh, is going to be Roy Arborn. He is a beekeeper, and he's probably also uh, world famous down here on the west coast. And uh, he's going to just give you a bit of a quick update on what's happening to the honey. And this is particularly good for uh, the rest of New Zealand and around the world to know that. Okay, my Roy Arborn, and uh, in uh, 2009, uh, my honey was stopped exported to the USA organically because 1080 had been dropped. Uh, I was under Biogro, and then, then I went to a, uh, to a sure quality, and uh, I um, was asked, uh, Biogro stopped, uh, stopped a sure quality exporting to the USA. They asked me to find two places, or places which was, had no um, sprays or anything. I found the typo, and I found the four mile, and uh, they then found out that the 1080 had been dropped uh, three years beforehand, so it was not organic. So that stopped my 
industry overnight. I was going into Whole Foods in the USA. I used to go over there and talk to them and do everything for them, and it was stopped overnight. I know that now uh, there's Castle Hill Station. Castle Hill? No, no, sorry. Um, Mount White Station. They had a drop in, where did they have the drop? They had a drop in the Poulter and the Horden last year, and that honey hasn't been tested. Once again, we can't, there's no one to test in New Zealand for the honey. Uh, Landcare, who owns Landcare? The government. What do they test down to? 0.005, not past per million, not past per billion. I was contacted by people overseas in Australia, and they says, uh, we'll test your honey for you. New Zealand can't. can't, can't. Uh, Landcare decided in 2009 to put some hives at Marawiki, and uh, the hives died. But, but uh, people ask me how they how the bees get the get the get the 1080, the dust, and the water. They take 10 liters of water per year, so it's in the thing. But it can be tested. It can be tested, uh, and I think this 1080 thing is no different to the COVID. They've been brainwashing these people all the time, all the time. They've been brainwashing these people, and people believe it. They don't even see what's happening. I live in Nigeria at the moment, and. Uh, they're going to do the, the Taramacau, the Taipo, and the Otira, the whole thing. What do we get? Nothing, yeah? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Awesome. Thanks, Roy. Uh, now, I wanted to bring this um, up a little bit earlier when Calvin was asking about the... Uh, Accidental deaths. So um, many of you probably heard about Richard Prosser recently. Yep, an amazing man um, who did a lot for truth and um, he, he was a very good writer and, of course, he's a former politician. So we are now um, going to invite Dana. Uh, oh, no, maybe she's going to do it later. Are you going to come and read Richard Prosser's thing? Yep, so um, um, no. Uh, so Richard Prosser... Um, meant a lot to a lot of people. And uh, I don't know if you've been following him on Facebook, but the outpouring of respects that are being sent to his family has just been phenomenal. And actually, most of us didn't know that he was a long-time sufferer of depression. So it's just a reminder that um, it's good to talk about these things. And I know it's especially hard for men to do, but... Um, he was very, very much um, a good friend of Calvin's as well and um, his family reached out to us and it's really, really hard what they're going through. But uh, we just thought we'd share um, one of his... His speeches from last year. Yeah, he, that, was, that went viral and um, was, he was in the UK, if, if any of you don't know, but um, still speaking to New Zealanders. Hi. So I'm just going to read this out. So this was for the 16th of May last year, 2021, all right? Former NZ First MP Richard Prosser wrote this powerful message to us all from England. Dear New Zealand, while you remain asleep, scornful and credulous, your nation is being stolen and sold out from under you. Yes, it is. No, this isn't conspiracy rubbish. It's true and it's happening. Yes, the government is lying to you. Yes, the opposition is in bed with them. Yes, the media are in on the act as well. Everything you are being told through every official and officially sanctioned channel is a lie. Yes, it is. 
I have told you so at every I've told you so at every opportunity and at every step along the way and so far I've been 100% right which is pretty good even for me Accuse me of blowing my own trumpet if you like I don't really care it does sadden me to see from afar what is happening to my homeland under the very noses of the very people to whom it's happening who continue to not believe it even whilst they are experiencing it. But personally, I'm not affected by the scorn. I've always been a seer and I've lived my entire life subject to ridicule because of that. But here I am, being right again. There is no pleasure in that. Here's what you can look forward to in the short to, mid, short to medium term. China will become the new colonial overlord of New Zealand. New Zealand will become the New Zimbabwe of the Pacific. A few elitist Māori, I put that in inverted commas, because most of them will be mostly white. Many will have non-Māori names, and none of them will actually represent either real Māori or anyone else apart from themselves. Will gain majority control over much of the land and natural resources of the New Zealand islands. They will be doing this on behalf of their masters in Peking as well as for their own benefit. Please don't allow this state of affairs to drive a wedge between real Māori New Zealanders and real white and other New Zealanders. It's simply divide and rule being applied and it can only succeed if you pander to it. Food production and distribution will be completely centrally controlled. Your water will be centralised and privatised and you'll need a permit to collect rainwater, which you will have to treat to NZ drinking water standards, which will include the addition of fluoride and chlorine. Chinese troops and police will become common sights on your roads and streets. Direct air links and the exchange of students at all levels will become much more frequent. Mass immigration from mainland China will occur. In one generation, that is 20 to 25 years, Chinese-born people will be the numerical majority of the total population of the New Zealand islands. 25 years is not a long time. The Falklands War was 40 years ago. The New Zealand dollar will collapse. It will be replaced by a new, new currency backed by and value linked to the new Chinese digital currency. You will have no ability to trade internationally other than via China and her banking system. Te reo Ngāpuhi and Mandarin will become compulsory languages. Politics is not the answer to the situation, rather it is the cause. If you do not want the future I have described, you are going to have to fight. By fight I mean rise in armed insurrection against your government and its agencies. I will say this again. Party politics is what, you, what got you into this mess, the one you still don't believe could ever happen even while you are experiencing it and it won't get you out. You are still strong now, I think all the gods that ever were that you didn't hand in your guns. Yes, you are going to need them, stock up on ammunition now while it is still legal to bring it in. What a shame no one makes ammo in NZ anymore beyond the assembling of it from imported components. But regardless of that, stockpile as much as you humanly can. Thanks, Dana. And those were, of course, the words of the late Richard Prosser.
Excellent. Well, that's a good uh, note for you to come up, Kath, because you are the next speaker. So you can say that through the mic so everyone can hear as well. So uh, the next speaker is, is, of course, Kath Lane. She's from Harry Harry. And sh give her a round of applause. And uh, she is going to be talking to us about the proposed Waitaha Power Scheme and the current dock stewardship land currently undergoing reclassification. Thanks, Kath. Okay, so this is a bit of a, a local issue to um, my area, but uh, maybe it applies to some of the other parts of New Zealand as well. Um, some of the themes, perhaps. Okay. So, in 2016, submissions were called for regarding a run of river electro-hydro scheme proposed by West Power on the Waitaha River, north of Harry Harry. It was uh, uh, to involve a concrete weir diversion structure at the top of the Morgan Gorge. This was to divert up to 80% of the water through a tunnel, exit exiting it out 1.5 kilometres downstream after going through a building housing turbines whilst spitting out silt through a branch tunnel into the middle of the gorge. West Power had been planning this scheme for around 10 years before the hearing. Uh, on the back of the success of the Harry Harry Amethyst Micro Hydro Scheme, it was estimated to create uh, between 16 and 20 megawatts of power. DOC and the local iwi had already approved the scheme in principle by the time the hearing um, arrived in 2016, but in the meantime, 3,264 submissions were received, uh, the majority opposing the scheme. These included over 2,000 forest and bird template submissions and a Green Party petition with 2,000 plus signatures from all around New Zealand plus a large contingent of whitewater rafters, kayakers and canoeists. Uh, the hearing lasted four days and I was there among the submitters against the scheme, speaking on behalf of 38 members, mostly West Coasters, of our incorporated society Te Whare o Te Kaitiaki Ngahiri, Guardians of the Forest. Um, our submission was based on logical arguments. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't against hydro schemes per se. We had no um, opposition to the one that had been made in Hurry Hurry, the Amethyst scheme. But um, also from our hearts, since my husband Dan and I had been to the Morgan Gorge many a time, both for hunting and to sit in the dramatic hot springs, um, on the edge of the cliff there, on the edge, on the, on the side of the gorge, on the cliff face, on the wall of the gorge. Now, Morgan means beautiful but dangerous, and it was certainly lives up to that. The kayaking fraternity have likened the gorge to the Auraki Mount Cook of kayaking because of its grade five and beautiful scenery. Um, pretty dangerous place to kayak through. And we would rank the hot springs there as the Mount Cook of hot springs. Jetting, a solid, jetting out of a solid wall of stone while a metre away, the river pounds relentlessly. One foot wrong and you are dead. It's not a place everyone is going to go, but for those that do, the reward is phenomenal. 
a pristine turquoise ribbon of water has sculpted the 50 metre high canyon so beautifully. <coughs> Excuse me. When you're there, it's really hard to see how anyone could think that placing a lump of concrete at its entrance and dewatering the amazing chasm is a good idea. It would be akin to building a concrete wall at the Pancake Rocks in Punakaiki and stopping the blowholes from blowing there. Uh, I recommend for anyone that's interested to check out uh, the January 2017 issue of uh, New Zealand Geographic. It has some pretty, a really good story about the whole scheme and the whole idea that it was um, for security of supply on the west coast of our power, but it has some really stunning pictures of what, what the gorge looks like. And uh, they, they used drones to get right down into it, and some kayakers took photos as well. So some pretty awesome, awesome, awesome spot. And uh, that one there is the hot springs. So yeah, as you can see, pretty, pretty, pretty awesome and pretty scary to get down to. <laughs> it's very slippery and yeah, dangerous, but amazing and. Fio lived there as well. Um, so West Power and their supporters argue that the West Power that with the West Coast needs more power generation for security of supply in case of an earthquake, for example, bringing down the lines which supply the bulk of the, our electricity across from Arthur's Pass through Arthur's Pass. Um, however, this argument just doesn't stack up because they were going to build this hydro scheme, the Waitaha, right directly on the fault line. So if there was an earthquake... <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and there, nor did the economics, the proposed economics stack up. There was one guy at the um, submission hearing who did a brilliant um, interrogation of all the um, financial side of things, and yeah, but that yeah, yeah, that's that's another story. Um, as for the ecology, Doc admitted that the effects on the FIO and other wildlife would be more than minor. So they had they had approved it in theory, even though the effects on the environment were going to be more than minor. Um, we argued, our, our society argued, that the Arnold B scheme, which was proposed also by West Power um, on previously highly modified land, was a much better alternative, but that scheme plan has since been scuttled as well So uh, by West Power. Um, Basically, the whole thing highlighted the issue with Doc's stewardship land because the Waitaha is stewardship land, which means that um, it's under Doc control, but it has never been assessed for its ecological or historical value and whether it should be used for economic purposes. Uh, so at that time of the hearing, the national government was in, and they did not make a they didn't make a decision on it, even though they had plenty of time before the election. Um, and I would have thought that it was pretty resoundingly um, obvious through all this um, through all the submitters that it shouldn't go ahead. 
Uh, so it was passed on to the Labour Green Coalition, and eventually, after a couple of more years, after re-looking at all the paperwork again, they announced that it would not go ahead. Uh, in my opinion, a victory for the environment, and as far as I'm concerned about the only good decision this government ever made, um, despite protests from our local mayors and community leaders and iwi. They were even giving away bumper stickers at the Westland District Council office saying, I support the Waitaha. Now it seems that West Power are going to have another go at bringing it to fruition, as reported in the Greymouth Star a couple of weeks ago. Um, this time, it said in the paper, with the full backing of local iwi. Uh, at the same time, Dock have done a review of 504 blocks of stewardship land on the west coast, recommending that they be reclassified into either National Park, Conservation Area, Scenic Reserve, etc., or disposed of those who are using it, for example, for grazing. Um, the review panel then asked local iwi what recommendations they had for each block. In general, the iwi agreed with most of DOC's assessments on each of those 504. I was looking at the table the other night. It's quite a lot of blurb to go through um, and a lot of different spots around the west coast. Um, but when I got to the Wadaha one, I saw that they actually weren't agreeing with the review panel on that one. They decided that it should be not changed to a conservation area. It should be left as a stewardship land area. And to me, this indicates that the local iwi corporate representatives are clearly planning on economic gain from Westport for their support of the project. It's my opinion that this type of vested interest is rife in Maoridom and that documents such as Hea Puapua and the Three Waters uh, Bill, which is supposed to be coming through in about July, um, uh, really only encourage separatism, separatist racism, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and that Three Waters, I'm sure you're well up on that. Uh, just as an aside, we, we are going to be cut off our water supply, which um, Phil was mentioning earlier, that supply from Howell Creek is, will be no, long, no longer um, under the Three Waters because it's a rural supply that's not treated and they won't pay for the treatment of it and we don't want it to be treated anyway. We like our water the way it is. Everyone on that supply likes it but um, that doesn't matter to the council and, well, to central government, I suppose. Um, anyway, that's a bit of a side issue. Um, so basically I just wanted to inform everyone about this, um, the beauty of the Waitaha, and please, before you go driving around with the Waitaha bumper sticker, just check out the place, go there, look at some pictures on the internet. There's a, uh, there's a Facebook page for supporters of it, um, people that love it. And um, I'd also like to encourage anyone that has the time to go onto the DOC website of those 504 blocks of land being uh, to be reclassified and make a submission. And the submissions close on the 26th of July. 
Um, so yeah, please please support the water. And yeah, yeah. Thank you. And uh, just as an aside, the, uh, the name Waitaha, um, I'm not sure of the actual historical thing of it, but why obviously means water, and Taha equals beside. So, yeah, I hope that we can, um, the adventurous can continue to sit in awe of these sacred, to me anyway, sacred waters beside the water. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Kath. And, um, of course, the issue, um, and Dana has spoken about this before as well, it's the corporate iwi uh, that are in cahoots with the government, of course. It's yeah, not... Out. Yeah, we're not talking about the average Māori, so... So, is that you at Westport, Dana? <laughs> yeah, so I come up to Westport on Saturday, one o'clock till four o'clock, and uh, maybe we'll get Dana up on the mic and she can lay the smack down. Um, another thing that I want to uh, bring your attention to is um, the Hood. Do you all know the um, group called the Hood? They are uh, taking the government to court. And they need your help, so uh, it, this is to uh, stop the vaccines um, for the children. And um, so their court case is coming up from the 27th to the 28th of June. They have raised 143000 of the 250000 that they need, uh, leaving a total of 106000 So if you have um, a few dollars you can spare then uh, go to thehoodnz.com to help that uh, case. That would be much appreciated. Uh, and if there's anybody in the crowd that's got some burning questions at the end, uh, there's that mic set up, so you'll be able to ask all the speakers some questions. And, of course, uh, if we have time at the end as well, we'll open up the mic to any of you on the floor who may have um, some things that you'd like to share yourself. We did have a few um, last-minute additions to the speakers list, and uh, now we're going to ask the lovely Danae to come up. She's an everyday New Zealander. Uh, she went to Picton to support the convoy, and her and her brother are here, um, and she would like to tell us a little bit about the separation that's been happening um, under this government, and it's like no other government before. So thank you, Danae. Put your hands together for Danae. Thank you, Every government we have ever had in the history of New Zealand has robbed us of something. Whether it's spending taxpayer money on selfish, ridiculous things, withdrawing critical funding from health and education, or selling off our land, property and businesses to other countries, it's no great revelation to any of us that politicians have robbed us of what we need to live a life of true comfort, contentment and quality since day one. But this current government are different. Sure, they have robbed us of the usual things and some extras. People have lost their jobs, homes, businesses. But over the last two years, this government have robbed us of so much more. They have robbed us of something no other government in the history of New Zealand has robbed us of before. Time and memories with the people we love. There are some experiences you can never relive or get back. During the lockdowns, men were stopped from attending the births of their children stopped from holding their newborn baby straight after they were born, 
stopped from having that precious moment of just looking in awe at the life you have created with your partner, of kissing her and telling her how well she did in labour. People were robbed of having time as a new family. Sure, you can do it later at home, but it's not the same as that moment your child is brought into the world. To be rushed out without getting the time to just be, to make those precious memories, is an incalculable loss. If fathers were lucky enough to be allowed to briefly attend, those moments were interrupted by panicked, overworked hospital staff hurrying everything along, intruding on families' experiences with unnatural and unnecessary masks thrown into the mix. This is something no one would ever think a government could take from us, but they did. During lockdown, people weren't allowed to travel to see sick and dying relatives. They were robbed of that last chance to hold their loved one's hand in comfort, robbed of the chance to cry with them, to stroke their head as they left this world. People were robbed of saying the things they needed to say, wanted to say. That was the very last time they would ever see their loved one, and they were robbed of it. They were robbed of the chance for the final conversations they have a right to have, of apologies, recriminations, expressions of love, fear and loss, of promises they would keep. During lockdown, people were robbed of going to funerals, during the mandates as well. People were robbed of the chance to grieve with family and give and receive emotional support. They were robbed of closure, of the final goodbye. These are things that can never be given back to us by the government. These are things that they have taken from us forever. During lockdown and during the mandates, people were robbed of celebrating births, birthdays and weddings with extended family and friends, of the absolute joy of seeing two people in love declare their commitment to one another, of celebrating someone's milestone birthday, of meeting their newborn grandchild for the first time. People have been robbed of their health and even their lives by this government. They were bullied, coerced, psychologically manipulated and emotionally and financially blackmailed into getting the jab. As a result, many people are now struggling with lifelong health issues and some people have lost their lives. People have been maimed and killed because of this government. So what are we going to do about it? I'm just an everyday New Zealander. I don't know what the answer is. But in my opinion, the clock ticks every single day towards totalitarianism and something needs to be done now. In my opinion, general elections are rigged straight up they probably always have been. We've been living in an illusion of democracy. We have been lulled into a false sense of security by the elites. We have been appeased by the elites like children. You know how you have a two-year-old and you are mowing the lawn and they want to mow the lawn as well? So you buy them a toy lawn mower so they can mow the lawn too. Except they aren't really mowing the lawn, of course. Their lawn mower is only a toy. Well, the elites make a big deal of the general election. They put a big show on for us. They advertise the general election for weeks and we get our wee voting card and we go into the voting booth and we feel really important. We feel like we have some power and control over our country. And we tick a little box and go home feeling like we have done our duty to our country. Well, I believe it's like with the two-year-old and the lawnmower. It isn't real. We are all the two-year-old. Volunteers process the votes, they think it's real too, and up the ladder of illusion it goes until it hits the power level of the elites who just throw out our meaningless votes and put in who they want, who they plan to, the whole time. 
In our case, at the next election, Christopher Luxon will become the Prime Minister. Once you know it's fake, you can't unsee it. The writing was on the wall about Luxon being the next Prime Minister and part of the final stage of the New World Order being implemented in New Zealand back in 2020 when John Key was first endorsing him to be in the National Party, then leader of the National Party. There is absolutely no point in voting. Voting is an illusion of power and control to appease us, the public. There are no differences in any of the parties to make us think we are making decisions. Think about it. Why would powerful people let us plebs decide who gets in when they have an agenda and a deadline? So all of the small freedom and truth political parties getting together and trying to win 5% of the vote to try and get into parliament isn't going to work in my opinion. In an honest system, sure, but this isn't an honest system, so forget about that. The local council elections are the same, all rigged, an illusion of local democracy. Have you noticed that it's only certain people who get on the councils and the school boards? There's a reason for that. The judicial system is another avenue we have tried, taking the government to court. But the judges are all placed for the benefit of the government and other elites, not us. So once again, forget that. Petitions didn't work. Convoys didn't work. Protests didn't work. Occupation didn't work. These people think so little of us, they wouldn't even come out and speak to us. They wouldn't even acknowledge us as human. So the way I see it, we have no options left. We are out of choices, people. We are like wild animals backed into a corner, desperate. These people need to be stopped. There has been far too much suffering afflicted. Whether they are ever stopped or stopped in time remains to be seen. The story isn't over yet. In conclusion, this government has robbed us. Are we going to keep letting them? Thank you for listening. Please take care of yourselves and your loved ones. Awesome. Thanks, Danae. See, see the power of everyday Kiwis using their brain and using their voice. It's amazing. Now, um, the next speaker that we're going to have, um, well, actually, there's two of them, if they still want to. Forty and Jackie, are you still going to come up? Yep. All right. So give them a round of applause. So uh, 40's going to share his story, uh, his vaccine injury story, and Jackie was a very important part of uh, his life when that happened. So um, I will hand over to these two. Get back to bloody power. We need it. I hope that lass has got plenty of bloody candles because if the power goes off, she's going to have a bucket rule. Now the point is... Oh, cheers. <laughs> <coughs> We've been kicked in the guts that many times. I got a letter, a phone call from a Greenpeace person not so long ago. Oh, um, you, you're into electricity, aren't you? Getting away with fuel and stuff? Oh, yeah. I says, We've had applications turned down for power generation here. Well, what are they? Hydro. Wataha, Kokiri, there's only a minority group of the guts aching about it. Now, why the hell can't we have some bloody electricity? We've been lucky at times, 
when our power goes off, it doesn't our provider does a bloody good job. We're not out for very bloody long, which is a damn good thing, I think. Now, getting back to the bloody um, jabs, I had a first jab, the, uh, what was the name of it? AstraZeneca. A week later, I had chest pains. My arms went crook. Shoulders, arms, in the upper arm. In the end, I was going, <laughs> like a dog had been panting, and I couldn't do anything about it. I had a three-hour stint in the emergency department on a Saturday. I was there again on Tuesday. I had six bloody hours. Didn't tell me bugger all of what was going on. Luckily, I had a nurse who was bloody great, and she explained a few things to me. Then I went home. Well, it wasn't much later. I woke up in the morning, I had my breakfast, and sat down on the chair. I thought, what the hell's going on? Everything was dizzy. Hang on, this is not on. So I got on the phone, rang up the hospital. Oh, if you, I want to see a doctor ASAP. Oh, they start at nine o'clock. I said, I don't know whether I'll wait that bloody long. So I went in there. I was there at court to eight. And Lisa just arrived on and she says, oh, take a seat over there. The doctors will be at nine o'clock. When I get annoyed, I talk much bloody louder. <laughs> well, there were quite a few people sitting there waiting in the, whatever they call it, just in the entrance. So, whoops. So I got my name, date of birth and all that sort of jazz, sat over there. I wouldn't have been there five minutes and I was out in the emergency department. Five hours. I had a doctor, didn't know a bloody thing. Luckily the little nurse, the practice nurse or whatever she was, um, she walked past, she said, Graham, they're concerned about your heart rate, it's too bloody high. First thing I'd had. Well... <sighs> Yeah, I just lost my train of thought at the moment. But I was frightened, bloody frightened. I thought I had one in the grave and one on the banana skin. And all I could say to you, you need your second jab. <laughs> Luckily, I had a, a doctor I got on fairly well. And I said to him, if you had gone through what I've gone through, would you get a second one? He says, no. And he wrote it out. He gave me an exemption not to get a second one. Thanks very much. Oh, hang on, woo. <laughs> Thanks to Jackie, I went and saw a doctor up at Fox River and she put me on Cannon Seed, is it? No, Nigella. Oh, Nigella. yeah, somebody, other stuff and um, zinc and whatever. And I'll tell you what, that took about three days. Am I feeling better or was it imagination? After about a week, I stopped, I was, I'm breathing properly. And that was one hell of a rest. And your arm, your arm, you said you came in and you said, yeah. I can move my arm again. <laughs> Actually, when I went up the last time, I called on the jacket. So I'm going up the hospital. She says, I'll, I'll take you up. I said, no, I'm right. Uh, and there was a, when they changed this uh, shift, I was just opposite the crow. And one said to the other, he drove in here this morning. They couldn't believe it. Okay, thank you. So, so I was sorry, I haven't done this before. <laughs> I was just going to talk about Graham, but he's done that. Um, I was a nurse at the medical centre here in Grey. Um, there's, uh, there's quite a few of us. Is anyone else going to get up or want to come up with me while I'm here? No. <laughs> no. But anyway, I. Um, hmm? 
No one else coming? No, okay. So I, yes, I was, was a nurse and I chose not to have the vaccine. Cool, thank you, Tonica. <laughs> I feel better having someone with me. Um, yes, so I, yeah, I chose, I saw several horrible um, side effects and nobody wanted to hear about it or know about it. Um, one, other, one doctor, one doctor who was a locum doctor here at the time, she, I was just anyone that came in with strange side effects, I would just put them onto her because no one else wanted to acknowledge it or think that it could be anything to do with this, this uh, trial drug that we're sticking into anyone. So, um, yeah, it was, I don't really know, that's really my story, so, but yeah, I was a nurse, not a nurse, but um, now I've done the right thing. No, right, because I just think it's so wrong, all this, just because you haven't been damaged, why is it okay for that others have, you know, we just, yeah, it's, stop, it's going to stop. You too, you go for it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> Hi, um, I'm Tonica and um, I'm not a local, I've only been here for 12 years, um, and I used to work at the hospital. Um, my whole nursing career is that I've been a nurse for 47 years and I've seen and learned a few things along that time. Um, when the first news of the COVID came out, I thought, this isn't right. I thought, this does not sound right. Um, so I started to do some research and pretty soon it was being bantied around the hospital You've got to get your injection. You've got to get your your jibber jab. That's what I call it, because um, it's not a vaccine. It's poison. Um, so time went by, and we were given the ultimatum: um, have the what they want us to have, or you don't have a job. And I went to the manager at that time, and I had questions, and I said. Can you assure me of what is in this? Can you give me information about what is in this so-called vaccine? Oh, it's on the site. I said, no, I want the real truth. Um, I said, can you, who's going to be responsible if I have this and I'm injured? Oh, you'd have to take that up with the manufacturers of the product. Um, and I said, well, now what about the Nuremberg trials that are going on at the moment? You're asking me to do something that I don't want to do, and I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place, so um, you're basically saying if you don't do this, you're going to lose your job. I said, that's quite, you know, blackmail-y. Um, oh, the Nuremberg Code does not apply to New Zealand. And I said, well, blow me down with a feather because I thought it applied for the whole world but apparently I was wrong. Um, so the day came and I had a lot of pressure from my work colleagues. I had comments like, well you have to wear a seatbelt when you get in a car uh, and and so forth and all these other vaccines have saved, we've got no polio now, we've got no none of these things and I'm going, no, hang on a minute. Something isn't right here. I did my research. I did lots of research. And you guys probably all know now as much as I do that the whole family of vaccines is all, some of them have been 
aren't natural. Some of them have been manufactured. Um, and it lines up with everything else, with the food and the, our rights and our water and our ability to buy and sell and digital currency and all of these things. It's all kind of pulling together to get us into a place where we basically got no choice except to say what they say and do what they say we have to do. Anyway, back to the story. So the day came and, yeah, I had a lot of um, opposition. Sure you won't change your mind, you know, you're doing it for the good of the country. It's to stop other people getting sick. I said, yes, but if I get sick, who's going, you know, uh, I feel like I have got the right to make a choice. And that was really basically my thing. So the day came and went and I walked away from the job and, you know, as an aside, this West Coast DHB would be the worst DHB I have ever worked for. The way they threw their staff under the bus, they don't care about numbers, they don't care about what kind or what competency their nurses have. I say, God help anyone going to hospital these days. I'd rather drive myself to Christchurch, honestly. People are going without being washed for five days. That's not nursing. That's disgusting. People lying in wet beds for hours. I know I'm digressing, but, you know, that's what nursing had come to because nurses walked off the job. They didn't care about what kind of nurse they got to replace. They've got nurses to replace that. I know for a fact one nurse has bought her registration online. Oh yes, yes, yep. And I had a month's grace to change my mind, which I didn't. Um, and so then um, in December I was poof gone, just gone. Um, and I know in my department that I was working at that time, six other staff left. Um, and I think from the whole hospital, there was about 47 staff that disappeared altogether. They are lying. They are lying about the numbers. From here. 47. 47. A few doctors. I know some of the locums don't want to come back here because of the way the attitude is. But look, you know, when, when I was um, prior to that, job that I had, I was working in the day surgery unit, I used to welcome people, meet and greet, make them feel comfortable and send them in and out the door and, you know, it was all good, get their file ready, all of that, um, and the other week I was working on the ward. So, suddenly I start seeing all these 50 down, 50 plus men, mostly, um, um, heart flutters, chest pains, numbness in the arms, numb from the waist down. This is all after receiving the, this medication. Um, a girl who had had the vaccine, and I can talk about this now because I've seen it with my own eyes, so it's not hearsay, it's truth. Um, she, had, she had the medication and she was numb down her whole left side. Spent six hours in the emergency department, um, came up to the ward, oh, this lady's got an infection in her leg. I said, really? That, that doesn't seem right. That's not an infection in your leg. But that, 
<laughs> well, she got an infection of something. <laughs> but you know, they were all of these patients were coming in with these chest pains and tachycardia and and infections and mini strokes and lots of men with mini strokes and young men having cardiac arrests and and I'm going, this is not right. This has to be related to the, and I, I had discussions with some of the doctors here, this has to be related to the vaccine because I know what goes in it. And no way, you know, and I was treated like a pariah for speaking up and I actually don't care. I, I've got nothing to lose now. <laughs> I don't care. I'll tell people the truth. I don't care anymore. I, I just don't care. So, you know, I'm not as rich as I used to be. But I'm having a hell of a good life. Um, yeah. I was told I was not allowed to go back to the hospital unless it was either to go to the pharmacy for a doctor's appointment. You're not allowed to go and visit your colleagues. Colleagues I've seen since then in the hospital, they've you know, treated me like a pariah. They, they don't want to look at me. They don't want to talk to me. They've got my head down. Anything except you know, look me in the face. and yeah. But I'll, I'll, challenge. I'll, cha I'll challenge all of them now. I don't care anymore. Yeah. So. so what was the fee for your trip cards if you got caught? $100,000. <laughs> $2 a week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, did the doctors in the DHB get paid $200 for each jab or what was that? I'm not sure what the deal was. There was one set of doctors, a married couple, who said, we're not doing it, we're not doing it, but then they were also, they did do it in the end because, well, you've got, if you've got a mortgage and, you know, the pressure's on. Yeah. Just for the recording of this, um, We've got a mic there, so at the end, if you could just hold your questions, just so that it's uh, the audience watching can actually see it as well. So is that all right? That's can we do that? Yeah, that's yeah. good. And you can ask any of the speakers some questions. So keep thinking and hold them. And um, let's all put our hands together again for Tonica. Oh, That's the type of bravery this country needs. And ultimately, from what we're hearing, it is the money that is keeping people quiet. And uh, we are I've personally spoken to doctors that have said they cannot tell their patients before they inject them, they cannot actually talk to them about all the negative side effects. So, you know, when they've got mortgages and to pay and everything. You can see why it happens, but it's great when people like Tonica stand their ground and refuse to be pressured. Um, the other thing I have to say is countersmanmedia.com. If you haven't already signed up, please sign up to our email list there because um, we've been kicked off a whole lot of mainstream platforms already, but we do want to be able to keep in touch with you. If you have an extra account, they are now stopping our emails from going through to you. So get a Proton Mail account or, worst case scenario, get a Gmail account. Um, but that's the level um, of censorship that's happening now. Um, and if you didn't bring any 
uh, cash for a koha or a donation tonight, feel free to go on the website and um, you'll find our account there as well. Uh, now the next person probably also needs no introduction because uh, she's travelled the length and breadth of this country. Uh, she did stand for the NZPP party in the last uh, general election. Since then she has continued to speak out against the UN agenda and has been offering workshops on living law as part of Ag Action Group. Please put your hands together for Heather Mary Pennycook. Thank you. Um, amazing speakers tonight and quite a few of the other stops in the country I've listened into and just huge thanks Hannah Calvin and the Counterspin team for giving us local people this opportunity all over the country. Huge kudos to you guys for getting your butts on the seats out here because the answer is in this room. Um, yeah, I'm almost a coaster. I was born and raised in Makarora, down near the Haast, and um, I just I love the West Coast, the Wild West. The people who live here are like nobody else in any of New Zealand, and I've watched horrified while you guys get shitted on by the government big time. Excuse the French, worse than the rest of the country, but you know why? Because there's a whole lot of resources on the West Coast they want. The West Coast is one of the priority areas to get you guys out of first. So that explains a bit. Now I'm going to do some um, straight talking tonight. No apologies there because it's time. And um, we're really at crunch point now, guys. Um, as Hannah said, I um, mistakenly, but with all good intentions, stood for political, um, stood up for politics, hate politics, never follow it, hate politicians, but I was really concerned about this country. And um, when Billy TK said, you know, if you've got a passion for this country and you're concerned about where we're going, stand up, we want people in every electorate in New Zealand, I just really felt like I had to stand up or I would not be able to sleep at night. And so I stood for Waitaki electorate, thought six weeks, if I can't last six weeks, then I'm a total pussy. So um, anyway, it turned into 10 weeks, and I learned so much. And it's been said here tonight, if you have any delusions that any political party is going to get us out of this mess, you are so, so, so wrong. That entire system is so corrupt and broken. Even if you've got the best people in the world into that wasp nest, they do not have the power to make change. It is a totally corrupt, infiltrated system. You're either coerced, paid, bribed, forced, or if you still won't toe the line, there's a little accident. You know, there is no way that we're going to see change through this totally broken, corrupt system. And lady in blue, man, awesome words, yep, the politicians is not the answer. Now, the thing is, if we don't vote, because your vote is a total waste of time, I reckon it's been decades since there's been a straight election in any part of the world, um, if we don't vote, silence is still consent. So we're still consenting to them governing us. So what we need to do is be sending in a letter to the electoral office. Now, don't wait till the election. Point out the fraud, and I'll be putting up some real specific instructions on our website about how to do that. Fraud means no consent, no contract. And you state that it is a totally fraudulent system. You point out the fraud, and you remove yourself from it. We can't, you know, we can't just ignore what's happening. Well, we are going to be in the slaughterhouse real quick. And I don't use those words lightly. But we all know genocide, jab, etc. That's where we're going. Now, I'm just going to pass this little bundle along. I've got to talk real fast, and I'm not sure how much time I've got, Hannah. 
wave and come and kick my butt when you need me off. But um, I want to cover some big picture and then if this little handout is the website, aag.org.nz, got tons of different information in there from COVID and all kinds of things. I'd love some real 1080 information up there. We're passionate about 1080. And I have to say, I used to take my kids to Harry Harry to do um, bow hunting. Um, the Malloy's uh, wolf shed is a great spot to be. And we'd been going for about four or five years and we were out there and I went to the guys we were shooting with, hey, I can hear birds. And I've just realised I've never heard birds when we've been out in the bush doing the bow tournament thing. And I said, shit, I've just noticed that. And the locals who were shooting with said, yep, it's taken four to five years for any birds to reappear after they dropped the effing 1080 and they better not try to do it again. Now also when we've been doing talks, um, I started off as Ag Action Group. We really just travelled the length of New Zealand, did about 95 talks, North and South Island, getting the rural people in particular awake about what's happening, what the big picture is and where we're going. And then about 10 months ago, I said, I can't not talk about the genocide jab and the scamdemic because there's no point knowing what the legislation the UN's doing if meantime you've lined up and got the jab and you're going to be toast. So um, one of the guys in the founding group didn't want to be talking about that kind of stuff, so we closed that group and we became Fred, my silent partner, and I stood up and um, basically just reorganised as AG, which means Agriculture and Agenda, action, we've got to be frickin' taking action, people, and gathering. And it's in local communities where we have to start taking action. So this will give you, um, my Facebook page is pretty much shut down because my liveies were going too far. So I've also now got a Rumble channel and the website with a ton of different information. So please take some of those, pass them on, and if you want to check out what I'm saying as fact, jump on the website because I don't believe that anything I say is anything other than fact. If you've got information which proves my fact is wrong, get it to me, I will apologise profusely and get the right info up. But we've got some awesome scientific information there. So I'm going to pass that along. Now I'm going to wave a few things at you guys because sometimes if I wave something concrete, it just, it'll help you to remember. So um, oh, well, the other thing on the 1080 is um, done some talks up the west coast as far as Karamea last year and had um, a couple of midwives in our group that we talked to in Karamea and they said there'd been so much 1080 dropped in their area that now when the women get pregnant, they advise them to move away and come back after they've given birth because they have so many birth defects, miscarriages and problems. 1080, just like everything else, like these awesome speakers have touched on, they are out to poison our environment and poison us. And you know what? If you're going to kill off the deer and everything else, we can't go bush and survive because it's going to come to survival. And it can either be the real tough version or we can step up and freaking wake up and start to take action now. If we want something different, we must take action. Now, um, I'm going to go big picture in a minute, but if you're sitting here and you're going, she's a bloody conspiracy theorist and you're not sure of all these facts, the one thing, the one thing which should be opening everybody's eyes in New Zealand is the fact that this bloody government closed Marsden Point oil refinery. I just drove up from down south to come here tonight and it cost me $256 in freaking diesel to fill up here when I got here. $256. I know, Hoka Ticker, I'm pissed off. NPD and Hoka Ticker is about eight cents cheaper. And I drove through and went, it'll be cheaper here. Okay. 
Yeah, actually, the people at Kamara are um, bloody awesome. They've been to some of the AAG talks. I remember them. <sighs> Too late, filled up, bugger. Anyway, um, yeah, so that move alone, everybody, everybody who purports to be a freedom group or someone who's concerned about this future of the country, if they're not talking about Marsden Point, then silence is consent. They're, they're, they're complicit because what they've done there by shutting down Marsden Point that takes away 75 to 80% of our total fuel production for this country. Look at what the prices are doing. I was talking to a guy in the petroleum industry yesterday, and he said that by early next month, diesel will probably be $3.35 a litre, and as soon as the government discount comes off, we'll be looking at 4 bucks a litre for diesel. Now, I've worked out I get about 10 k's a litre for diesel. That adds 75 cents per kilometre for my RUC charges, and they're talking about putting them up. When you make fuel not only super expensive, but we've just lost 80% of our fuel production. That means you won't even be able to find fuel, even if you can freaking well afford it. So what happens then? We can't travel, the school bus can't run, the courier can't bring the mail, you can't have freight trucks delivering food. You know, it just, you cockies don't have fuel for their tractor. You don't have contractors who can come and make your baleage. You've just decimated pretty much every industry in the whole of New Zealand. Now, they have shut Marsden Point, and what are we doing about it? This is going to, this single move alone, let alone all the other bullshit they're doing to us, is going to smash this country in probably the next two months. 80% of our fuel gone. Now, the other thing that's spin off of that that I hadn't even thought of is talking to an older guy who flies international aircraft. And he said in, I think it was about the 80s, there was carless days, there was a fuel crisis. He said the fallout that people don't even think of now is that international flights won't come to the country because it's not the fuel and it's way too expensive for them to fuel off and fly back where they came from. Same with shipping. Well, in case you haven't noticed, the government's already shut down our shipping industry, but it will become totally impossible to import or export. So we're not going to get any of this stuff. We're not even allowed to use our own coal anymore. They're bringing in dirty coal from Indonesia. That won't get here. They've talked to us about power outages. They're saying, oh, we've got electric vehicles. I've talked to an electrical engineer a town about the size of Wanaka, if all those houses had an electric car and they all plugged it in on the same night, it would blow out the power grid for the entire country. Because the power grid in New Zealand, it's kind of like a circuit board. You've got to keep the, the, it all balanced. And a couple of years ago, maybe, now there was that big power outage for about a week in Auckland, maybe a year and a half, and he said New Zealand teetered on the brink of that one power outage actually blowing everything in the whole country because their system's really integrated and it's like balancing a circuit board. So this government, and it's not even a bloody government. Now, I teach living law. Here's a challenge, guys. I've got a free day tomorrow before the next talk. If anybody here has a house and wants to gather a group of people, I will give you a living law training. Usually we allow about three or four hours break for shed kai in the middle. If you want to know more about what I'm going to touch on, get hold of me while I'm still here, because I believe that living law is the answer. Now, um, living law is me standing here as a living man or woman. If you call yourself anything else, this lovely big blue book here, Black's Law Dictionary, the government speaks in legalese. When they write acts, what does the word act tell you? When you make a submission or a petition, please listen to me, what does that tell you? You're submitting to them. They're not listening. We know that. 
Anyway, so they write things in legalese. You want to call yourself a human? Human in here is monster. Resembling a monster hath no inheritable blood, cannot own land. On our website, you'll find a link to Klaus Schwab's book, digital book, where he talks about how COVID's been used to um, escalate and um, speed up the world economic crash. Have a quick browse through that. See how these global elites speak about us. The bottom feeders, the useless parasites, they see us as cockroaches underneath their feet. They see themselves as a superior species, not even the same as us. The global elite, the trillionaires, those people who go and meet at Davos, um, have their little annual tete tete with Klaus Schwab. They're people like the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, Jacinda and Grant were in 2019, where the theme of that was the Great Reset. So these are the people with all the money and all the political influence to make whatever they decide happen. And they have said there will be a great reset. They will take us into, this is 351 pages of tiny print of the United Nations Agenda 21. Link to this from the UN website on our website. And if you read through that, it tells us it's not all about those really good-sounding 17 sustainable development goals. Let's eradicate poverty, have equality, have a sustainable future. Awesome. Sounds sweet. Read the fine print of what that means. So when you delve into this or you do a quick cheat and click on some of the Rosa Corey videos, there's a couple on my website. She's an American litigator who spent 25 years prosecuting states in the US for implementing this. Total travesty of human rights. So it tells us what does what what do we want to get rid of in our future if we're going to be sustainable? What is unsustainable? Private ownership of motor vehicles, private ownership of houses, land, buildings, roading unsustainable, irrigation unsustainable, golf clubs, ski fields unsustainable, family unit unsustainable. David Rockefeller paid the people who wrote this. He says totally unashamedly in multiple interviews still available on the internet, this is based on Chinese communism. They are bringing in a system, elite here, plebs, peasants, actually the P on your passport stands for pauper, as they see us as the paupers, us down there, totally dependent on the government. They don't want people on the land. They talk about wilderness, human exclusion zones. They want us in those smart cities and those little rabbit hutch apartments. How can they say zero road deaths by 2050? Because there won't be roading, there won't be fuel, and none of us will own a car, and they will tax us and legislate us out of existence. So another link on our website, in um, August 2019, Jacinda Ardern did the keynote speech at Goalkeepers Conference in New York, organised by the Gates Foundation. Goalkeepers is when the countries get together and say, hey, this is how far we've got towards these goals, right? She was given the keynote speech and she said very proudly, New Zealand is the first country in the world to put all of this into our legislation. That's what we're seeing. That's why there's the land grabs with significant natural areas. That's why there's the National Environmental Standard on drinking water, which means if you're on the land and you even just have one water tap in your wall shed or one water tap outside your garage, you'll be classified as a water supplier and you will have to either put in a UV system and be audited and do E. coli testing up the wazoo or you will need to be adding chlorine and fluoride. And so they're going to make it impossible. We've also got the new fresh water environmental standards which came out. And what is the standard they're aiming for to get all our water to in New Zealand? Pre-human habitation standards. The only way you get that is by removing the humans. That's the plan. 
It's just, yep, carbon zero. Zero predators. Someone else mentioned, we're predators. They don't actually want us here at all. The big plan, the long-term plan, is to move the paupers completely out of New Zealand and put us across to Australia, of course, because we'll have a lot lower population then as well anyway. And this is covered by Rosa Corey in one of her interviews. And this will just be, this country will be the plaything of the rich and famous. So they are moving really quickly to take us off the land. Now, another awesome piece of information on our website, and I apologise, I'm jumping around everywhere, but this is the 38 pages of document released by Pfizer after the American court ruling, and this is what was shown, how they fraudulently manipulated their information to say that the jab is safe. Okay, so there's a, there's a smaller number of adverse reactions recorded here, and then the last nine pages, medical people have a look at this and weep, nine pages, back-to-back -back medical conditions, totally life-threatening, totally lethal, all kinds of things, from myocarditis to um, multiple organ failure to herpes simplex to ev everything you could think of, a whole lot of things I would have to look up to even find out what they are. And why were these not included in the safety analysis? Because they were given a special designation. An adverse event of SI, special interest, and the special interest ones go in a separate database, private Pfizer database, and don't get included when they go, oh, is this safe or not? So I did a wee add-up of how many of these actually were cases, and it's 21,000 cases in these nine pages. Not included at all. And so this is how we are lied to continuously. We've someone's mentioned already the media, total bullshit. So, but our government lies very cleverly by manipulating statistics. Let me give you a few examples. So when they brought out the um, insane pre-human habitation freshwater standards, they justified that by saying, big headlines, um, I think it was 80%, someone correct me if I'm wrong, 80% of New Zealand rivers unsafe, yeah, 80%, unsafe for drinking and swimming. People went, what the hell? And so it's doing a talk down south and, and um, a guy in the Catlins area said, well, he actually worked for an environmental um, council office, and he said, oh, I was so angry at that, I knew that was incorrect. He said, I did research to find out how could the government say that. This is how they could say that, could lie without lying. So they surveyed all the rivers in New Zealand, found 2% dirtiest rivers, tested only the 2%. Of the 2% tested, 80% failed the drinking and swimming test. So their false headline is 80% of rivers fail drinking and swimming test, Guess what? 80% of 2% is 1.6%. If you told the truth, you would say 1.6% of all New Zealand rivers fail drinking swimming test. If it's 1.6%, are we going to go to a, a standard that's so staunch that even the water that comes out of nature, straight out of pristine springs and forests, has more nitrates than where they want to take the nitrate levels in water because they're going for pre-human habitation? Um, another one recently, oh, the fresh water, you know, all this foo-far about we're going to have to add chlorine and fluoride, three waters, making our drinking water safe. So the uh, media headline they'd be banding around is that 34,000 people a year in New Zealand get sick from unsafe drinking water. Jeez, that sounds serious. So guess where that little gem came from? That was extrapolated from a study done in 2015 by, I believe it was Alex Ball or Alex Bell, sorry, I don't remember which one. 
So he was looking at the number of people who get sick from drinking water in New Zealand, and he just had a few figures, and he extrapolated and said the maximum figure could be 34,000, the minimum could be 18,000. But in this report he wrote, he also did a section where he based it on actual cases and said, oh, the average is about 2,500 people get sick per year in New Zealand. 2,500 out of 5.5 million. But they're going to tell us no, because he extrapolated and said the highest figure might be. So they're going to quote 34,000, not tell us it's an extrapolation, not tell us a 2015 figure. So they bullshit to us. They lie and bullshit to us. And they, they are out to close down your business. And particularly if you're rural, they've just brought out these ridiculous bloody... Um, the pork industry, new welfare standards, which will kill the pork industry in New Zealand. Not a single person from the industry was included in drafting that legislation. Not one. It will result in sixty to 80,000 piglets squashed a year. It will mean every piggery in the country will have to be partially or fully rebuilt. It will add to the cost so much that it will be much cheaper to get um, pork brought in from overseas, which has horrendous welfare standards. And they're saying, we need to up our welfare standards. We already have the highest in the world. The emissions trading scheme, anybody who doesn't know that climate crises is a heap of bollocks, look at the science on our website, please. But they're saying we're going to tax our farmers to death for methane emissions. How bloody ridiculous. A, there's no climate crisis. B, methane doesn't affect the temperature. Anyway, let's pretend it does. Big picture, New Zealand at total annual methane emissions. How does that stack up with the world? In one year, if we say the world produces an Olympic-sized swimming pool, that's 25 million litres. New Zealand's contribution per year out of the 25 million litres, one teaspoon. Yet we will tax our farmers out of existence for this ridiculous... They, you know, they lie. They lie and they bullshit, guys. And with living law, what you do is you're standing above every legal system. It's not common law. We have some areas of common knowledge. We understand that our identity was corporatised at birth. They call that a straw man. We understand that we have unalienable human rights. But when you are born alive, all these legal systems that have ever been written, common law, admiralty law, tort law, equity law, contract law, they're legal systems written by men. You can write whatever you want on a piece of paper. It's never going to take away the rights you're born with unless you give them away or you're deceived into giving them away. Anything they have you on for, any act, the Dog Act, which says you have to register your dog. What does legalese, the word register, sign ownership to the state? Everything you've registered, your children, your birth, death, marriage, your fi um, firearms, your, um, well, that's about to come. Don't jump the gun there. They want you to register it. That's coming real soon. Your animals, your deer and cattle under the Nate scheme, your business. When you register it, you sign ownership to the state. That's why we only have registration papers for our car. We no longer have ownership papers. State owns it. So um, anyway, sorry, so I'm jumping around. So you look at anything. If someone says you've done a, a offended under, the, your dog's not registered, so under the Dog Act, look up the Dog Act. Look up any act that has ever been written. Front page, about five sentences down, this act binds the crown. This act binds the crown. Are we the crown? We are only the crown. We are only a corporate under their jurisdiction when we keep presenting ourselves as that corporate entity. That corporate entity is your full legal name that appears on your birth certificate, your driver's licence, your passport. Every time they say, where's your ID and you present that, you are presenting yourself as a corporate entity which gives them total power and control over you and your life. As soon as you realise I'm actually a living man or woman, 
they no longer have jurisdiction over you. You point out the fraud. Fraud means no contract, no consent. See you later. It's that simple. Living law is the simplest thing. I've been looking for a tool for the last 20 months. I believe we've got it. You just need to understand who you are and you have sui juris, it's called supreme authority. A fiction cannot have ownership or control over something real of substance. Case precedent 1792 Cruden versus Neil, North Carolina. I've got all the proof for this on the website, guys, but you will never look at things again. It's living, it's real of substance, or it's dead. It's corporate fiction. A government was corporatized in 1986. Ever since 1986, we haven't even had a government. We've had a company running this country. Her Majesty the Queen and Right of New Zealand is the name of that corporation. It is all fraud, it is all a sham, and while we're asleep, they will just fecking well steamroll us. We need to wake up. If you wake up in the morning, you're still breathing, you're here for a reason. There is everything we need in this room. You guys have all the answers, but you need to stand up, you need to pull together, and you need to take action. You need to understand, number one, this country's going to be on its knees in a few weeks unless something happens, remarsden point in our bloody fuel. And then that's a perfect excuse. No food could get anywhere, no travel. We're moving you guys. Civil defence emergency, moving everybody into the city. Then you're totally dependent on them for everything. Wake up, Kiwis. It's just around the corner. But we are going to be five steps ahead of them. You've got the answers. You've got the strength. You've got the power. That's what they don't want you to know. They've isolated you for so long. Localism, communities. Stand now and decide what you need and put it in place. And I'm willing to travel and give information to anybody who wants to know about living law. It's the legal backing for how you say fraud, excuse me, fraud, no contract. And we just need to stand, find our voice and stand up. Because as soon as you guys say no and back it up with the facts, they are stuffed. And that's what they don't want you to know. So I think I'll just leap off the stage before I get a kick. <laughs> If you want to, um, my number's on there. If anybody wants to host a teaching tomorrow, dob someone in now. Put aside about four hours. I'm in the area, more than happy. If you guys want to gather somewhere, I will give you the run through three to four hours, including Kai Break in the Middle for Living Law, and give you the tools to keep going in this community and stand up, push back. It's time, Kiwis. We got this. Thanks, Heather. Such a wealth of knowledge. Uh, yeah, if someone can arrange that tomorrow, I think uh, it'll be well worth it. Um, we've got one more speaker on our official list, and then we will um, see if anyone else wants to say that something, and then we'll open up for questions. Oh, and sorry, of course, we'll, um, Calvin and I will do our little wrap-up. So um, our next speaker is a retired gentleman from Auckland. Um, and he will be talking about varying opinions on the corrupt political practices within New Zealand and what we need to enshrine our rights. Is Stephen here? Here he is. It's a good follow-on from Heather Mary. Good evening, Greymouth. Um, I'm not a great talker, but... Um, I think I'll be right with a wonderful crowd here. Um, now, firstly, uh, this morning uh, I was um, had uh, I spoke with Counterspin um, with Hannah and Calvin and Tony was the homeowner. Um, they asked me what I wanted to speak about, and um, I put forward a few things. 
Uh, over the period of time, I've come back a wee bit on what I was going to say. Um, I took cognizance of, especially Tony, what he was saying, being a coaster. And he advised me to see a gentleman in a pub across from where he lived. And this gentleman is Bernie Monk. Now, I spent the afternoon with Bernie, and um, I've learnt a lot. And I've spoken to him about how I feel about the, the pike, pike mine. And uh, at the end of this, he, he gave me a book. This is, this is out at the moment. Uh, Pike, Pike, death by parliament, parliament. It's all lies and bullshit. They're lying to the coasters, they're lying to the country, the whole enchilada, whether it's your um, COVID, you name it, we've been lied to. There is no justice in New Zealand. If you go through their court system, and Heather has alluded to all this, she's probably taken a lot of my thunder, you cannot get justice in their system. We have to break away from their system and introduce what we bloody want. We'll tell them what to bloody do. Um, and this is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. But um, just, just before I put my book down, would you give Bernie Monk a, a round of applause? Because this book is... You know, I've done so much reading uh, probably in the last 30, 30 odd years. You know, um, I've got to a point now that I'm still learning. And uh, over the last two years, I've travelled from the far north through into Wellington, down into here. Um, spoken to a lot of people. And there's a lot of angry people out there, but they don't know how to go about it. You know what I mean? I've been through the uh, court system myself. I've been arrested a number of times over nothing in particular, but we've got to learn how to speak to these people and drag them out of their, their legal world into our, uh, here the calls is law, but I call it just straight out law, you know, and um, we've got to be able to defend ourselves as men and women. And uh, as Heather says, do not use your father's name in vain, which is your surname, which is a birth certificate name, I, I class myself as Stephen. That's the only Christian name I was given by my mum. I've got documentation to say that. They get very upset in court when you present this. Uh, I've been chucked down in the jails and the courts for defending my rights. So um, until we know our rights, we don't have rights. And we don't have to listen to them. But don't throw the first punch. Wait till they throw that punch at you and then come back at them with what we know, you know. Um, but anyway, hang on, I'm just going to put this down for a second. Um, I, uh, I started my journey uh, in New Plymouth just before the uh, Wellington um, protest. I saw on counterspin a man by name of uh, Brett Power. Now, he's right into the 1080 um, poison and the likes. Didn't know him. But I went down and he handed over the documents to the coppers to get a little arrested. Now, after the um, Wellington affair, he got paperwork back. The cops just chucked it back in his face. You know, we're not going to do that. But then when I looked at Brett's documents, um, he'd done a silly thing. He took these pricks under civil action where he should be taken under criminal. 
It's a totally different ball game. You can come into their world a wee bit, but you charge them privately. Privately. You don't go to the coppers. You take out a charging document against them. It used to be called a lay of information. Anyone can do it. But when you take these bastards to court, you don't take the Prime Minister. You take Jacinda Ardern, the entity. You charge them, right, singular. Never attack the title because they just chuck it out at court. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, partway through um, the protest in Wellington, uh, Brett got himself arrested a couple of times, so I did a bit of paperwork for him, and I picked him up from the courts a couple of times. <laughs> uh, anyway, I ran into Sue, Sue Gray. People know Sue Gray? Okay. I spoke to Sue about a number of things, and she said, oh, they don't teach this in uh, law school. I said, well, it's not law school. I said, it's legalese. I couldn't believe a woman um, was not, didn't have a knout to understand what's going on in her own country. But she, played, she plays their game. But I give her credit for what she has tried to do for us. You know what I mean? But once you enter their system, um, you can't win. Honestly, you can't win. The lawyers, barristers, solicitors, the whole enchilada, right up to the top, the chief justices, they are all corrupt. The police are corrupt. The whole system is bloody corrupt. Uh, how we get around this, I'm uncertain, but the more we can talk to people and, and say, hey, rise up, because Heather and... Oh, five, oh, thank you. We've got to do something. I'm not too sure what it is, but if I was terminally ill at the moment, which I'm not... I'll give you the tip, I can still pull the trigger. Sooner or later, the bubble has got to pop. And people are going to just say, hey, we've had a guts full of this. It's bullshit. And just look what Bernie and the families in, in the West Coast have gone through. You know, absolute crap. You know, I'd love to see those men being brought home to their families. I really would. You know, it's just disgusting what this whole enchilada... Oh, sorry, I better point that way. <laughs> I keep thinking Wellington's that way. But you know what I mean. We've all got to rise up and we've got to say, I'm not too sure. Get fucked, as far as I'm concerned. You know, but anyway, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you there with that because quite a few people have stolen my thunder. And um, I, I just want to escape because I sold my home recently, a couple of years back, thought I'd travel New Zealand, find a spot just to sit back, have a few beers, have a fish, have a shoot, whatever and get on with bloody life. Well, they're not letting us do that, you know, and I've had a guts full, and especially the price of fuel going up, how long I'll be able to travel around for, I don't know. Wouldn't have a clue. But something's got to happen. But anyway, um, I'll just cut, cut it short because I've been told to go. I'm being a naughty boy. Thank you, Jacinda. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll leave you with it. It's like the worst insult now, eh, to be called Jacinda. Um, so I just also wanted to let you know, um, have you all heard about Graham Phillip and his case? He's from Taupo. He's um, been incarcerated since early December last year. Uh, he was a very vocal person about this current situation. Well, um, I just wanted to let you know that next Wednesday, the 22nd, and this is particularly for people up um, in the North Island who may be watching, uh, Graham will be going before a judge, 
in the High Court because he has been denied bail twice um, in, in this time that he's been incarcerated and uh, he will present another bail application. So he, um, Graham and his lawyer will be attending via video but his wife Marta will be there um, to support. So if there's anybody up there in Rotorua on Wednesday the 22nd of June and you'd like to go and support Marta, um, she would very much appreciate that. So, um, Calvin, do you want to come up and, uh, or should we get, should we invite other people to come up if they've got a couple of words? Yeah, is there anybody else here that has um, something they'd like to say for a couple of minutes? Yep. Oh, you can come. You can, if, if it's not a question, you can come up. Um, so this is Fritz, and um, the notorious one, apparently. All right. So, I want to add something. Come to this one and go oh, yeah. right in. Her speech was uh, very nice, very from the heart. I don't agree with everything, uh, how to how to change things. I don't agree. It's small tribalism and small communities is not enough to uh, fight this organized system, which is a huge organization. You need bigger stuff. And I think Maoris can uh, tell a story uh, from it. Small tribalism simply, or small communities are necessary, but are not enough. There need to be a more bigger organized opposition to this. I want to add to uh, the 1080 thing and uh, make people aware that the water fluoridation, which is done with uh, sodium fluoride. 1080 is sodium fluoroacetate. Water fluoridation is sodium fluoride. 1080, by molecules, it appears that it is extreme poisonous. But when you look at weight, then you find that sodium fluoride is actually more poisonous than 1080. However, it is in a, in a small concentration in the drinking water, um, which appears to be uh, not a problem. But you get it in every processed food, in bread. I contacted Bergen uh, Bread and got the, uh, according the reply. You get it in all processed food that is processed with fluoridated water, because it fluoride doesn't just disappear, but when you evaporate the water, the fluoride stays in the food, and when you put water in again, you double the amount of fluoride you are uh, imbibing. How fluoride works, uh, another thing, how you test for uh, uh, 1080 actually. I got an official information response that the Lincoln University is actually the main tester of 1080, and they are not testing for fluoride. Fluor, the fluor is here the poisonous part of 1080 and sodium fluoride. They are testing for the acetate. Now you can imagine you put sodium fluoride instead of 1080 around, you wouldn't pick it up. Huh? How's that? Um, then to the effect of uh, fluoride. When you take most fluorides are highly soluble in water, except calcium fluoride and silicium fluoride. So when you get it into the body, into the stomach, and it meets the hydrochloric acid, it puts, pushes the chloride out of that acid 
and substitutes it with fluor, with fluor and uh, turns it into fluoric acid. Now, that is the substance with, with, which, with which, it's bloody English, uh, you etch glass. You can't keep fluoric acid in glass bottles because it would go through. And that is what is doing in the body too. It's not damaging the teeth from the outside. It's damaging them from the inside. The toothpaste fluoride does indeed something protect against bacteria. But everything you swallow, fluoride, stays in the body, goes, it loves calcium, makes brittle bounds, and damages anything, including DNA. Because that molecule, fluoric acid, is so small, it goes through any complex uh, molecule in the body. Uh, you haven't been told about it? It's not my fault. Um, not voting is not the answer, because you have to show your opposition. And when you simply uh, tell them, oh, it's a fraud and so on, so, so who cares? I mean, as long as they are staying in power, it's all good. But you need to convince the population. So you must make a point by your vote. And even with the small party, not perfectly in your line, but one that has a chance to come in parliament, do so in order to show your opposition. Because when the mainstream me sheeple uh, see that all are voting for Labour and National, the two brother and sisters, uh, that's what they're going to do too. Well, I mean, sheep going with the flock. No? And I could go on and on and on. I give you just one more brain, uh, ruffle of your brain feathers regarding COVID. And there's a danger now that I appear as a conspiracy theorist. It's in our genes, isn't it? Um, where was I standing? Uh, <laughs> with COVID and the vaccines. Um, see this way. New Zealand had eliminated alpha, beta, delta, COVID variants. Pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, no, no. So, statistically, all the vaccine side effects would show up. You can't have this. As in one uh, episode of uh, Counterspin Media, there was an MS uh, multiple sclerosis sufferer saying, and, and you know, you just poo, saying that uh, multiple sclerosis is actually a renaming of polio. That made one think, no, has the same symptoms and all. No, transfer this to COVID vaccines. As I said, you would find out now, especially in New Zealand, no COVID variants. You would find out all these side effects that she talked about them. What you're gonna do, you rename it Omicron. Omicron. A monkeypox. Monkeypox. 
Hey, uh, they are popping out of nowhere. 1,500 cases now worldwide. Going and going and going. Popping out of nowhere. Uh, not monkeypox. Vaccination COVID pox. I rest my case. In the moment, it's conspiracy theory. But once you, get, once you get the idea of the possibility that's happening, suddenly a whole new word pops up. About 18 months ago, the difference between a conspiracy theory and a fact was about six months. Now it's about six weeks. So uh, is there anybody else that has a burning comment to make or a story to share? Going once, going twice. So here we go. Give you a, hand, give you a round of applause for Dan. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me up here for a minute. I won't take long. Good on you guys for standing up and having no fear to do so. That's what it's all about because I think that that's the biggest picture here is the government is trying to make everybody live in fear and that's a, a horrible thing that they're doing to people and uh, I've certainly felt that over the years I hate to say 1080 because it's going through the, through the floor tonight but it's just one of the bullets that they've used and the, the, the COVID's another one and let alone the, you know, the water and everything, our food, our hunting our bees, our life, our life that we can't live in New Zealand on our own and have our own life without giving taxes and all the other stuff, which is another argument. But it's the fear factor. And, uh, and it's good to, and I want to point this out to the rest of the world, not just to this room, there are beautiful people in here, but to the rest of the world that is listening to this because you're not alone, you know. You may think you are, but you're not alone. You're actually, you're, you're, you're not a minority, you're a majority. And, and, and that's, that's really special. And the things that people are saying in this room today, there's a lot of people that would like to get their voice out there too, but they, they are living in fear to do so from their peers, peer pressure, which is pretty bad really. So I just want to say to the rest of the world that you're not alone and to stand up and like Fritz was saying, it needs to be a big picture. We're all trying that. We're all trying to get that. So yes, maybe you've got to start off little. Counter spin, amazing. You know, thank Christ we've got something as a platform that, that we can now rely on and put that out to the rest of the world. I thank them so much for that because that's what we've lost. We've lost hope. And, and we've lost hope when we, when we protest in Wellington which I've done many a times, been arrested for it. The police nail me for every time I try to stop something. They try to take me down and make me live in fear. But they can't stop me doing that because I just, I'm not going to do that. But we need a platform to, to help us join and grow and be that big picture and that big community and that big New Zealand again to show the rest of the world that we can do this. We've only got one person that we've got to take down, and that's our government, which is just shit. But Jacinda has really nailed us to the ground with this, with the One World Rule, the United Nations, 
and all that, she's really in on it. And if the rest of the world, they need to see that Jacinda is not a nice lady and they need to listen to us people. And we're not alone. There's a lot of us that are saying this. So I'm not going to bang on all day. I just want to say thanks to Counterspin and I want the rest of the world to look at them as the truth. They're the truth media, not the other medias because they're all liars and we have no faith in them. So thank you guys. All right. Calvin, do you want to come do your closing thoughts and then uh, we can open up for the, the question time if, if you would all like that, if you've still got some listening power left. You guys have pretty much nailed everything. I can't actually um, add to anything, to be honest. Usually I can go on a long rant, but you guys have taken it all, which is good. Um, and the more people speaking out, the better, like you say, so they're not alone. And I think that was the greatest tragedy of this whole scam, and it is a scam. Actually, I will repeat because I need to know, government, can you show us that unredacted Pfizer contract that you signed us up to? You know, the one where you've got multiple jabs ready to go. These people are the hardware, and that's their software upgrade every year or every six months. Also, I want to see this bloody isolated virus that's never been taken from any patient anywhere in the world. So if you could show us that, we'd know what the hell you're trying to vaccinate against. Because if it doesn't exist, what was your calibrations uh, based on? Nothing. Nothing at all. All you did was rebrand the cold and the flu. That's it. That's why I took a two-year hiatus. And like you said, rebranding, that's all it is. It's like Chanel or Nike. No difference. It's just a brand name for people to get behind. Then they add the taglines. Save your fun. Save your friends. Jab yourself, silly. You've got to be medical junkies if they have anything to do with it. Everyone knows it. And like uh, Heather and others have said, they're coming after everything. Every single component that makes you you, everything that makes you and gives you the abilities to survive, they're going to decimate the lot. You once free-range humans will soon be battery farm humans. They want to push you off your farms into the cities so you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Some of you, of course, are surplus to requirements. That's why they're trying to get rid of you fast. And remember that the reason why not everyone drops dead after getting jabbed is because there's various batches. Because it would look a bit strange if you were dying at once. But over the long term, put me in your will. If you've taken the booster especially, within three to five years, I'll be a wealthy man, I'm sure. And we'll have somewhere to live, so that's cool. Uh, big farms are fine. We can then hunt. We can create our own little nation state even. Because did you know, if you've got a defined boundary, permanent inhabitants, your own set of laws and a flag, you can actually declare a nation state under the 1933 Modern Tea Video Convention in Uruguay. After World War II, there was 51 countries. There's about, what, 209 or whatever now? A lot of them went that way. So... If you've got any big stations, thousands of hectares, the coast, take the whole of the coast. Yeah, but you'll get a few stalwart hangouts in the middle, you know you will. So you can take them to the jab centre, I suppose. <laughs> sort those bastards out. Um, but there is one thing, I've got to give Jacinda Ardern one thing. There will be one election promise she actually keeps. And that's to solve the housing crisis, because there'll be fuck all bastards left. <laughs> Plenty of room. Mind you, she's got that covered with all the uh, people they're trying to bring in through the uh, immigration, 50,000 and all that. 
future Labour voters, of course, that's all they're there for, because the rest of you are waking up. Uh, so, yeah, that's my little rant. I, I, uh, we'll be back to regular shows after the after the tour. Uh, oh, wait. Gonna, no, gonna... I think we should ask the people. Oh, this is no, the people's don't platform. do another one of these hair okay, brains. So Hang we on. do want to go back to regular shows. We do want to go back to regular shows, okay? But here's my idea, okay? Because you guys have helped us upgrade this amazing bus. So please um, go and see Paris on your way out. Check it out because did you all see what it was when we got it? It was it was a great gift from Mike. Uh, well, he lent it to us on the condition that we had to make it roadworthy, and um, we've got we've got to put the video out from where it was to where it is now because it has been a phenomenal. And um, I just think it would be really sure. sad if after two months of being on the road that we just yeah, stop. We so Mike actually said that we could borrow it for a year. So I think personally, and of course it's not up to me; it's up to you guys. But I think after a break. And I'm not saying we have to bring the crew as we have now with this big tech um, setup because it's been a massive, massive job. But even if maybe just Calvin and I and we just travel around to the regions and we hang out in the regions for maybe two, three, four weeks, right? And then we get all we come out and get all the local stories and spend a lot of time with you guys because I think you all know about the UN, you know about the New World Order, you know about all those agendas, you, you can look overseas for all that information, but who is travelling this country showing Kiwi stories from our point of view? So put your hand up if you think Counterspin should carry on bringing New Zealand regional stories. <laughs> what a setup! That's a setup. That That's toxic femininity right there. <laughs> Thanks, Jacinda. I just had an idea. and you going okay. to mandate that? Okay. So we've got two more events, so maybe they will, I won't agree. What's the other option, Calvin? What, what else are we going to do? Yeah, go. Counter-argument. Debate. Debate. The real men stand up, dust off the muskets, and get shit done. <laughs> well, there is always that. But um, in lieu of that, we don't have a home to go back to because we put everything into this. Uh, we've been put up by a couple of amazing people in Blenheim, which they're probably sick of us by now. Um, <clears throat> so, you. so you know, and we don't have an income. We don't make any money off this. We can't actually afford to pay any bills, even if we had bills to pay. So, I don't Come know. Come down the West Coast and go hunting ducks. <laughs> yeah, and we'll make little documentaries about what West Coast life is really like. Yeah. I don't know. Well, she could get a sales job. <laughs> well. We need to, tell, to the bloody herbs. We need to keep telling this 1080 story, and you know, there's so many stories that we need to keep talking about because, obviously, as you all know, the mainstream media won't cover it. So I don't know. That's my idea. I'm still waiting for a, a, a serious counter idea. But anyway, we can debate that um, at home. Or but yeah, argue about it. Mobile studio. The other thing is that Mike has said that potentially at the end of the tour, or when we're finished with the bus, that we could put it up. Uh, for sale, so either one of you lucky people could buy it for yourselves, or we could do a crowdfunding. Uh, but but we could crowdfund it to be the people's media bus to keep travelling around the country. So <laughs> so start saving. Yeah. The Grey Star apparently is looking for a reporter. So, um, 
But yeah. Oh, to do with the courts, yes. And hopefully next week, maybe with the hood doing their um, court case in Wellington, maybe we'll be able to get up there. But um, this is, again, your guys' platform. So you guys have to sign up for a regular donation, even if it's just five bucks a week. This is the type of thing we need because we don't have Bill Gates or Rupert Murdoch or. Or the CTP. Yeah, anybody. Or Steve Bannon. None of these people back us. So, you know, it's up to you guys what you want to do. But anyway. I won't talk anymore. The only thing uh, we can do now is open up for questions. Does anybody have any questions? If you for do, any of the speakers. Yeah, for any of the speakers. If all the speakers want to come up. Um, question, yeah, can you please go into the middle and use the mic just so that the audience at home can hear it? <laughs> Sorry, I know it's inconvenient. I have a question. Uh, does Counterspin have a position on binding citizens initiated referendum? It has to be. Laws, yep. create freedom laws. Well, for a start, we need a proper constitution that enshrines the Bill of Rights and things like that and make sure, make sure rights inviolate. They also need to get rid of party, party politics because that's bullshit. You need yep. to direct representation, write a recall, yep. uh, so you don't have to wait three years to get rid of the bastards, and um, basically turn them back into the servants. Yep, and, right. and basically decentralise power back into the, like the old borough council systems we used to have instead yep. of the crap we've got now. Could go right through society. Yeah. Yep. And also the thing with binding referendums, citizens initiated binding referendums, you have to have an awake population yep. that has access to all the facts. Yep. So if we brought that in right now and you've got the brainwashed masses believing all the propaganda, they'd be voting that we all have to get forced jab, wouldn't they, if we put it out to them. So That's why your constitution has to come first so yeah. the majority can't yes. rule the minority. We need the individual rights enshrined. Yep. And like in America, if none of you or if any of you out there are still unsure about America, um, I re um, Repro well, not awakened, I guess I redu reduced some of my programming by looking at uh, some amazing alternative media platforms in America because they still know what true freedom of the individual is. Yeah. So if you're not looking at American sources, I really highly recommend that you do because they are almost like a last bastion ones. of hope. Yeah. yeah, not CNN and Fox and all that, but find some good alternative media sources. Yeah. Um, what else? Is there, is there, who else has got a question? Uh, as, as you know, uh, we, we've got a 1080 drop in uh, Atira and the typo. Yeah, I believe you've uh, done a laudial title yeah. somewhere. How do you yeah. do that? Well, basically, there's a, a natural right for you and the land. We're, we've got a symbiotic relationship with the land. What the government's done with their systems, they've come in, they've put a f piece of paper between your feet and the land. You have the absolute right to hunt, fish, sustain yourself from the land. The corporates can't do anything. They don't live, breathe. They're just an idea. Uh, and the problem is, of course, they've got the state apparatus behind them. They have enough money and have enough resources to suppress you. The only problem I've got with this whole scenario is might is right in their eyes at the moment. Now, you can do that. The only way to do it is to, but like I said, I believe take a massive track land, create a, a nation state, and then defend it. It's exactly how to do it. Sooner or later, people will catch up with it. Because at the moment, everything we're doing is like throwing... Uh, paper darts at a bloody bus. And everybody's got to do what they're ready to do, right? So once you're awakened and you understand the truth, then you have to, I think um, some of our other speakers alluded to it, you have to realise what your purpose is. So not everyone's going to do what Calvin and I do or any of the other speakers, but, you know, there's Sue Gracious standing in the by-election in Tauranga, which they're going to vote uh, 
tomorrow I think voting opens. Um, so whether you agree with that type of system or not, you know, she's still one of us and she's still doing a great job. So what is your purpose? You know, are you going to be inside the system, outside the system? Are you a creator? Are you going to do freedom music or build um, houses? or You know, there's just so much to do, but it's about figuring out what your gift for the world is right now. Yeah. So are there any more questions? Okay, jump up onto the mic so we can hear you at home. For any of our other speakers as well, not just me. No, this is a question I had... Um earlier on, it was about this accidental death that they're labelling suicides now. Are they paying ACC to the families of the um, Oh, that's deceased? a good question. A very good question. Yeah. Anyone, anyone know that? We, know we actually answer. don't know that because unlike most, we won't pretend we know something we don't. We haven't got a clue on that, to be honest. And, and if we had, we'd have the facts and evidence to back it because yeah. that's all we Well, maybe on. someone can find out. Are these accidents? Hush money. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are stories of that apparently. But from, we've been trying to bring that mm. to the fore, but we've had no one come forward to give us the evidence for it. So we can't even um, attach ourselves to that claim. Yeah. So is there anybody Bob else to, with a I bet you're too Bob to pinch a goat shit that if um, they killed my daughter through this jab, you think I'd be quiet? There wouldn't be a police line that they could erect that I won't smash through to get those responsible. And I think every man should do the same because we've got too many latte drinking soy boy pricks around. Not down here though, Calvin. Not on the west coast. That's um, that's Wellington and Auckland. <laughs> uh, any more questions before we wrap things up? And the only reason people actually listen is because they have the monopoly on the use of threat and force. That is it. You counter that. She's all over. And a lot of you have police and military in your families. Pull them aside and tell, ask them the question, whose side are you on? And that could change tomorrow. All right, Tonica's up. I just want to say one thing. Um, one thing I've learned from all my years is um, fear, F-E-A-R, is false events appearing real. Yeah. And the longer that we live in fear and feel like we're under the thumb of the powers that be, um, all it takes is everybody to stand up. What if everyone just said no? Exactly. Yeah. No is, no is the last word, and um, it's a very important word, and I'll just share my experience with fear. Fear is real, and fear, um, we need it sometimes, you know, to be realistic about certain situations. Uh, but I, I've actually got to the point, you know, I was very scared uh, before I started speaking out. I did used to use a pseudonym. Um, I was really original when I chose Sarah Smith. Um, <laughs> nobody suspected that at all. <laughs> um, but I was scared because I had an early child care business that knowing what I know, I knew straight away from watching what happened to the Americans that they would go after my business. And they do, and they try and ruin your reputation and all of that. So when they brought out the jabs for five plus, I thought, bugger it, I'll just put my face out and I'll just be who I am. And I still had fear and, you know, I'd still get paranoid about making sure everything was locked and did we need security cameras and do we need to be hyper-vigilant about, you know, potential people coming to do something? I don't know. But I've got to the point personally where um, there's two things that they could do to me. They can either arrest me and put me in jail 
And I'm not as clever as people like Calvin. I wouldn't be able to talk my way out of it. I thought I'd come and get her out. She goes, no, leave me there. I want to be a martyr. <laughs> um, all then the I other... thought, the boys, the pub, okay. Um, and the other thing is uh, they could take my life and they could, you know, make it – they could – make the brakes fail in our car or whatever they could, you know. Th these people have so much money and so many tr well-trained operatives that if they want to do it, they can do it. And quite frankly, I'm at the point where I don't give a fuck. Woo! Finally, I got you to swear. And I don't use that word very often, but to punctuate a point, as Calvin likes to say. That's right. Um, yeah. Because... Um, my life is not worth living if I can't live every day knowing that I'm doing the best that I can with the information that I've got. And um, I've been down the rabbit hole for far too long where it got to a point at the beginning of COVID that I couldn't hold everything that I had come to know in anymore because it just got I couldn't even consume information anymore. So it's the nature of truth that you learn the truth and then you have to share it. You have to keep the energy moving. It's just the way the universe works. So now I'm doing that. And now um, I'm lucky to stand next to Calvin, who's got a lot of courage. And it, without Calvin, I wouldn't be doing this because um, he did give me that last little bit of courage to just, you know, just do it. So that's where I'm at. You know, I'm going to do the best that I can and they can do whatever they want. I don't care anymore. You're doing a good job. So, and on one more note... And then I will give Calvin the last word. Toxic femininity is one topic and one discussion I want to keep uh, or I want to start in this country because um, toxic masculinity has been a way to keep men in this country quiet and it's been a way to castrate you and it's been a way to make you feel like you can't say anything, especially the men who they now call pale and stale. Uh, those men are silenced purely for the colour of their skin and their age. Uh, you'll remember Chloe Schraubach said um, very derogatorily to, I can't remember who she said it, but she said, OK, boomer, in Parliament. So they are making men feel like they no longer have relevance, and I want to make the men... Um, I want to know, my, question, my, my, my call is to the women, how can we make our men feel like men again and how can we actually allow them to be men? Because um, feminism has been used and does anybody mind me saying this? <laughs> um, Even if they did, fuck it. <laughs> um, feminism is being used as a psychological weapon now. Maybe first wave feminism was good, there may be arguments for second wave feminism, but third and fourth wave feminism are being used to destroy the family, they're being used to destroy marriages, they're being used, women actually on average have a higher rate of voting in socialist communist governments. So think about that for a second woman. So let's Isn't start this your having, fault? Yeah. <laughs> let's have start having these really hard conversations and what does toxic femininity look like because toxic masculinity apparently even manspreading is toxic masculinity. Um, but toxic femininity is psychological, it's emotional, it's invisible, it's gaslighting, it's lying, it's manipulation, it's control, it's coercion. Yes. With a big smile on your face. And big big teeth. teeth. <laughs> um, so if you need an example, look no further than our Prime Minister. And I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, Calvin, you have the last word. Word. We're sick of this shit. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's have something to eat. And Let's relax good. and have a good time. Thanks very much for coming. Coast is awesome. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now.
on the InfoWars network at ban.video.